0: the mania the mega powers are back together it's the state of combat on cbs sports with the brian campbell and it's a podcast that is back with a bang pro wrestling edition this week as we go up and down the road on a fantastic week in this in the life of sports entertainment from raw to smackdown to outside the walls of wwe you better believe folks it's an audio that is backed and jacked by the Performance Enhancers, the Brian Campbell, your boy, the Silver King, coming at you in a hot second. I know what you're saying last week. We didn't have a lot of good things to say about the product. Rightfully so. Then Brooklyn Bed Bedsheets were back again. I'm not saying anybody's listened to us, but they changed, and we are pumped up. We are excited to tell you what happened, what we liked, what we didn't, by the way, if you like this show, and I know you do, please, we're, we're not rapidly expanding in the area of five star reviews like we once were. Get on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, MySpace, uh, Christian Mingle. Wherever you listen to this fine audio, hit us up with that five star review. Much obliged. And you know, of course, check out our other offerings from the State of Combat this week in the sports of boxing and mixed martial arts. This is a service you need to have that you won't want to miss. But anyway, let's get back into it. Into the re- between the ropes, it's wrestling time. Let me welcome in my co-host. Silver King, come on down. Say hello to the bad guy. Oh yeah. Yeah, let that thing play out. He never had And moving forward, he can call it a belt. He's the Silver King, Adam Silverstein.
1: Hey, now I will call them what they are, which is titles, BC.
0: Oh, boy. Full disclosure, Adam. I mean, we always remove the fourth wall for these people that we love. You and I just tried to record this podcast. (laughs) We tried to go up and down the road, all right? If you hear a little anger in my voice, we had some fine audio debates. And then we had technical difficulties that made this a uh, canceled the episode. The audio was lost. It's now in a in a in a a Al Capone's vault somewhere in a Chicago basement. Uh, Yeah. All right. For Geraldo
1: to not find anything. Yeah.
0: So that's the case Uh, to catch people up, though. Yes, you can call it a belt now. Per Vince McMahon. Adam would love to tell you that he that it doesn't make any sense. Uh, What you missed was me telling Adam he's he's ridiculous.
1: Take well. And what you missed was me explaining to Brian that the belt talk, unlike what Meltzer reported, which is that Vince is now allowing it on all TV shows at all times, is it's completely relegated to Becky Lynch, as I explained last week, because of her nickname, Becky Two Belts, which is a good, alliterative fun nickname for Becky Lynch. That's the extent of it. When I hear it, I watched five hours of WWE TV this week. I did not hear that word uttered any other occasion unless it was in reference to Becky Lynch or the women's title picture. So if it goes beyond that next week and they start calling the Universal Championship a belt and they start referring to other things, I will fall right in line and and agree that Vince now allows it. But right now, I think just because Meltzer heard the word on WWE TV about the women's title – Does not just mean that Vince is now allowing it for everything because he either he didn't or I didn't hear it over the last five hours of WWE TV. Wow. Look
0: at Adam Silverstein uh, calling out Dave's Uncle
1: Dave's credibility. I mean, not not calling him out. He may have told you what I heard.
0: Adam, he may have sources.
1: I just want to let you know that. So you can criticize, but I can't.
0: I'm just saying he may have sources inside that said this is something that Vince has pulled back on.
1: And maybe and maybe he did. But the asterisk there was regarding Becky Lynch, because that's all I heard. It's the only time I heard that word uttered over the last five hours of WWE TV. Well, if
0: Becky was the catalyst in getting that ridiculousness changed, then God bless her. Two belts. Becky will live on. We can call it a belt, Adam, because guess what? When you win the damn title, they put a belt
1: around your waist. You win. Yes. But what do you win, Brian? The title. And what's the manifestation of that title? The physical manifestation of that title is a belt or strap, whatever you want to call it. Right. Although so it does not put, although it does not hold your pants up.
0: So put the belt around that person's waist that we want to take a push. It's a belt. It is what
1: put, it is. Put the belt around the champion's waist.
0: Oh boy. Oh boy. Congratulations. You played yourself.
1: Silver King. Take the L. You congratulating yourself
0: there? That's nice. As a great Nick Costos once said, you know, come on. Come on. Let's move on from this. Take the L and admit you're wrong because you sound ridiculous. All right. Uh Adam, nope. th- we can't nope, we nope, can't nope. fight. We can't argue here. This is a great time to be a wrestling fan. There's so much great going on. After last week made me really question my existence.
1: By the way, our first title versus belt conversation was better. Uh but but yes, uh the last week has been Fantastic. Really, as soon as WWE TV ended last week and, and NXT started, from that point through now, the last seven days have been terrific. And when we're talking about quality, we're not just talking about WWE TV and NXT. Across the board, there's been a lot of really good, interesting, uh informative, debate-worthy wrestling things that have happened over the last seven days. And it's almost been difficult not to have a podcast. Talk about it you know, in the middle because so much has happened that we probably could have had two.
0: Yeah, there's, there's, uh, I have not received this many DMs in a long, long-ass time from our great listeners. And by the way, a lot of people popping I, – I missed this in real time that Shane McMahon called it the round mushmore. Did you catch that?
1: Yeah, I did. It wasn't
0: good. A lot of people saying, hey, I know I didn't make the, uh, the four – Horseman of the SOC apocalypse, but can I make Shane's route much more? And uh, shout out to Billy Yuzinko on that one, among others. Uh, yeah, look, I, I got so much happy stuff to talk about. I got so many things to hit that siren button for. What a time to be alive, Adam. Well, I mean, really there's a third boom period. We're right in the middle of it. We were on the ground floor of the revolution. We saw it. Come, well, okay. I'm saying we, I'm being real nice. I saw it coming
1: a long time ago. Oh, you thought it was I can in, hear Jimmy you thought it was coming in Japan. Come on. Right.
0: I thought it would be Japan coming to America. turns out they're calling themselves AEW. The whole point was it's the same <laughs> sure. people. Sure. And it's happening. You never thought it would happen. It's happening. But again, that's just part of the equation because that stuff happening along with the Fox deal, is going to have to make WWE be better. This week, they were better. It felt good. NXT's always better. Heck, you can turn on Impact once in a while and run into something good. There's a lot of good stuff mm. happening. Starcast 2, did you check out the audio last week, listeners? We we had Ric Flair. We had Conrad Thompson, little bonus action that you don't want to miss. A lot of good stuff there. Hey, we got some bonus audio this week, Adam. All of our leftover hodgepodge from WrestleMania weekend is going to be combined into one show and maybe, maybe it's not for everybody. But if you're someone like me who falls in love with these mid-carders, with these jobbers, and, you know, they're underserved. They don't get a chance to have BC in their face cracking jokes. This is your chance. I got Zack Ryder. I got Mike Bennett. Oh, sorry, Canellas. I got uh, Curt Hawkins. I got Drew Gulak. I'm fired up to share this stuff. I got uh, B- uh, Alicia we're, Fox.
1: We're going to call the show "Bry's Life
0: on the D-List. Loved it. Loved it. Can't wait to share the audio. We have Lacey Evans, Ali,
1: The Revival. By the way, we we also have The Bar, Matt Hardy. You know, Casey Contenazaro is on there. Roderick Strong is on there. We have some good interviews. Check that out this week, Thursday,
0: as well. Uh, wow, Adam, it's weird. We just recorded a, a whole damn, almost a whole damn show, and uh, and it and it died. So uh, I don't know what we said or what we haven't said. Where are we going from well, here? I'm well, lost. let's
1: make sure. Let's make sure we touch the two biggest non WWE topics, and then we'll really get into everything that happened in WWE. For me, at least, in my opinion, the biggest one um, is this CM Punk situation, and you know you can kind of go on and express your thoughts on it. But CM Punk, as he promised, he would. Years ago, he said, my return to professional wrestling, you won't know it because I'll be in a mask and a hoodie. I'll show up at some independent show and I'll GTS one of my friends. And you know what? That's exactly what he just did. Uh, Now, there's obviously people trying to extrapolate this into, oh my God, CM Punk's returning. This is a guy uh, who you will talk about, I'm sure. Failed UFC career, uh, failed anything he's trying, tried to do outside of WWE. And that's not to crap on him. It's just to say like, dude. You're a pro wrestler. Maybe this is what's best for you. Um, But he says he does not want to come back, and he has maintained that very strongly, almost as strong as Shawn Michaels saying, I'm done, I'm retired, I would never have another match. And then Saudi Arabia came along and offered him a ton of money to really kind of put on an embarrassing showing, although he was decent in that one. Uh, But BC, back to CM Punk, the point, do you think this means anything beyond him kind of fulfilling that promise? uh, Or no? Or is this just, fun and it was a moment. I don't know and that's
0: why I have muted uh reaction to this. Like it's cool. If you were at that show, it's certainly cool. It's cool to see Punk back. That's got to make you believe he's closer to a return. The whole deal is though, and look, I loved what CM Punk did. It's part of the it's one of the things in his prime run with WWE that got me back into wrestling during times when I was falling out. It was hot and organic and great. I never really loved Phil Brooks. Certainly Phil Brooks, the MMA competitor. I soured on the CM Punk brand like a lot of people watching that weird reverse uh, uh, make a wish type thing for a celebrity to go out there and get his ass kicked. And he didn't belong, didn't belong there. The whole thing is I don't want to be teased by this. We were teased at last year's all in September Chicago weekend when CM Punk was signed up to be at StarCast and signed autographs. And we thought, of course, he's going to make a run in. He still has a lot to give. He didn't show up that weekend. And now it's a major tease with what is going on in AEW. Major tease. So, Adam, I'm almost at this weird dilemma with him, okay? Okay. Do I want him at AEW to make this surprise return and feud with Kenny Omega or is Chris Jericho and do big-time business and give that brand, which is going to announce their TV deal eventually one of these days, like give them fuel injection to really compete? Of course. Would I accept him back in WWE? Yeah, of course. Would I like him at Ring of Honor or New Japan or my local uh, New, e- New England wrestling, Northeast wrestling, wherever the heck the N E W is called? That's a pretty good promotion. I'd love him anywhere, but the point is I either want him in or I want him out. He's, what, 40 years old? On the mic especially, and and as a brand, he still has a lot to give. But I don't want him to wake up one day and be 48 and go, I said I'd never come back, but I got that itch. And then come back as bald wash on Michaels. And yes, you're right. Michaels didn't look that bad, but that thing shouldn't have happened. Yeah. If he's going to come back, come back right now. In the third boom period, when everything's fertile, either be a big surprise for Vince and just business will be business and come back or F Vince forever. Cause he has the right to say that and come back on like a Brock Lesnar schedule with AEW or whatever. But it was interesting when this happened, because I don't know if you noticed, but within like 12 hours of this video surfacing, Vince McMahon's Twitter account, the verified one, which go ahead tell me Vince has never tweeted once in your life or knows Twitter or knows his own password. I'm I'll, I'm with you, okay? <laughs> There's they have teams for that for a reason, but Vince only follows 51 people on Twitter, and after this happened within 12 hours, he started following at CM Punk and AJ Lee, so that makes you believe some like. I mean, it's just it's it's WWE doing it probably to get attention or to get on CM Punk's radar, but that gets you fired up that something could be happening here. Adam, I either want it to happen or go away because although I respect CM Punk, although we have the same crusade, this is my crusade. We got the same crusade, all right. But I don't want to be teased by this guy. I don't like him that much.
1: What if I told you, Brian? that when ratings were seriously down in September, right, going into October, and they had that lull, the WWE decided to put together a best-in-the-world tournament for a show in Saudi Arabia and had a plan for Shane McMahon to win that best-in-the-world tournament and continue holding that title for months through 2019, through WrestleMania, through CM Punk making a surprise appearance at an independent show. And their plan is for CM Punk to show up one day in WWE this coming year, maybe before SummerSlam, maybe right before the Fox deal begins, and start a feud with none other than the boss's son over the title best in the world.
0: Um, I would feel that. I would feel all of that. feel that. I felt it in my bones. Um, I would make a best-in-the-world belt that the winner could wear around their waist. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously. Yeah. I, I, it's always like never say never because Vince makes up with everyone eventually. But he's really the current, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he never made up with Vince.
1: Isn't that just convenient, though? Like, I li- I just laid out a pretty damn good scenario for you of long-term booking. you, And it's the right person. Yeah, but he sued them so recently. Oh, that happens. I don't know. Like, if he's coming back,
0: tell me. Even gun, like gun to your head. You know he's coming back on an indie level. He's an indie guy. He's from. If the he comes ADs.
1: back, he's coming back with AEW. I mean, it, it, Khan apparently, reportedly in an interview, I don't remember, said that CM Punk would be his number one pick to start a promotion, and and rightfully so. I mean, it would be Ken- it should be Kenny Omega, but rightfully so, CM Punk in terms of an American audience name value immediately making yourself into something special you could give them the title right off the bat it makes a lot of sense and by the way you said like a Brock Lesnar schedule well we have no indication that AEW is going to be like doing house shows and stuff so one day a week of tv and one pay-per-view every quarter let's say which is an assumption that that's what they're going to be that is a Brock Les- Lesnar schedule I mean <laughs> none of these guys are seem to be working that much or, or it doesn't look like they will be working that much. We'll see if they start touring and what they expect to make in terms of revenue, and WWE still f- feels like it's necessary to do all these live events, so I don't know. But, I mean, it would be great. I think getting CM Punk back in any way is great. It's clear that fans still want him part of the world of professional wrestling, but at the same time, and look, he wouldn't be the first, it'd be pretty damn hypocritical for him to constantly, constantly hammer home I have no interest in returning to professional wrestling. That part of my life is over and then show up on WWE TV because Vince paid him 10 million or in AEW because Tony Khan paid him 10 million. See, we have to
0: guess what's in his mind. Like, there's, you know, We've been up and down the road of, I'm telling you, no, this guy's an artist. And I believe that. I believe that there's certain guys that the craft means more to them. They've already made money. The craft is what matters. I can't tell with CM Punk Phil Brooks. I can't tell what his real motivation is. I can't tell if he loves this art form more than he loves money or if, or if he gets bored with his jiu-jitsu tournaments and his failing MMA career and maybe he can't find good acting gigs and maybe it's just like, man, I got to do something. I just... It, I don't, it's back to the Tony Khan point. I, I'd almost argue that it's more valuable to have a talker than a worker when you're going to launch a promotion that's going to compete. And I, like, here's the thing both Conrad and Ric Flair on this podcast last week said, If they're smart, they wouldn't compete. They wouldn't try to compete. They would just try to be their own thing. I get what what that means. What that really means is you're never going to compete financially with them, so don't even try. You're going to lose. But I don't care what anybody says. If you're in the pro wrestling business, critically, you're competing with WWE. That's just the way it is. Imagine if you had CM Punk as the face of what you're doing, and then imagine if you dipped into the territory, which we don't know if they're going to do. They haven't done it yet, but dipped into the territory of doing anti-WWE wrestling promos and and slander but, like attention But even seeking. if they but even
1: if they don't do that and he just does cuts promos and that other company I was once with his first promo he says it and then he never touches it again they don't need that necessarily what you need is name value and while I want to clarify I want to make try to say this clearly while CM Punk would make WWE more money he's more valuable to AEW so putting Punk in WWE would sell a lot of tickets it would Guarantee that a lot of events sold out. they sell a ton of merch. But he would also sell a ton of merch, maybe as much, with AEW. And he's more valuable for them because it it would have people from WWE that are kind of looking at AEW like, Man, I don't want to watch more wrestling. This is enough. Oh my god, CM Punk and Chris Jericho are over there? And I know Cody also? Okay, maybe I'll give this a shot. So I think there is value if they do bring him on. But... Look, we just spent however many minutes now talking about it. He did a run in at an indie show, and that's kind of what he said he would do years ago. And apparently, according to someone on Twitter, and uh, it was it's a legit person, but I can't credit them because I don't exactly know who it was. Apparently, he's actually done this three or four times, and just no one knew in the past. So, uh, they
0: show me the video if I'm gonna believe that. But, I know. Um, I'm just. I'm just. All right. What about if Paul? What if Paul calls him up? Because we know he hates Vince. See, we know Phil hates Vince. Does Phil hate Paul? I don't know I that for did. a fact. What if he Paul calls him up and says, Alright, Punk, you're only gonna work part time. I'm gonna be you don't have to deal with Vince. You do it'd be in your contract that you don't have to deal with Vince or anyone else you hate there. You're only dealing with me. You are going to be the face of NXT, and we are going to launch NXT as a legit third brand that's competing with Ron and SmackDown and is invading Ron SmackDown. I know we already kind of have done this before, yeah, but You'll have the show to yourself. You're the guy. Come
1: on, lay the pipe on me, big guy. Come on, go ahead. What do you think? Wasn't he the leader of Nexus at one point?
0: Yeah, it's, it's the same color scheme. Okay. It's kind <laughs> of the same idea. but
1: um. So, no, I mean, that would obviously be great. Um, I, We know that that pitch has worked for at least one other person before to stay in NXT. Uh, so, you know, that seems to be a... That would be a good pitch, but I don't think if you're bringing CM Punk back, you want him... In NXT and That's on fs You want him on you Fox. Want, you want him on Fox.
0: Yeah, you're yeah. damn right. You want him yeah. on Fox. All right. All right. Uh, there's so much. Uh, we can keep going on. There's so much non-WWE well, One, one more thing. About. One
1: more thing let's talk about, just to satisfy and, and uh, settle your urges before we get to WWE stuff. Uh, Goldust officially retired. Goldust in WWE. And Dustin Rhodes has emerged and will be joining AEW, but more importantly, facing Cody Rhodes at Double or Nothing in... Not necessarily one of the top matches on the card, but a match that will have natural storyline build. Are you excited for this development? We've obviously this is a match that we've seen before, although not really to the level that this would be. Um, or is this kind of just like Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Oh yeah.
0: Are you asking me if I'm into this match? I'm not. All- are you all in, Brian? Oh, come on. Good Lord am I into this match. Why? Story. This is steak dinner of story. And shout out to them for what they're already doing. I stumbled into that video. It revealed, you know, the, the road to double or nothing. Revealing Cody's opponent. Not knowing who it's going to be. And right away, you get hit in the field spot. You get kicked in the field spot. The story. Guys, this rules. This is fan Friggin-tastic. I am so fired up that this is part of the Double or Nothing show, the launch of AEW. It was a surprise when Goldust followed up and said, he's leaving the company on mutual terms. The Goldust mask is done. He's got a new gimmick there with the red face paint. And somebody on Twitter came at me hard. Where's Who is this guy? Where is he? Where is he? Lucas Day at Luke Lakers. All right? Maybe he's my own Thomas Jordan Sutton. Maybe, I gotta go, maybe he's my new rib sauce. Maybe I got to have a feud with this guy. He says... If Cody and Dustin wrestled in 2019 in WWE, you would bitch about it. You know what, Lucas Day? Nah. You know why I wouldn't? Because I know already in the short time I've seen Cody as a promoter that the story, like Paul in NXT, is what matters the most. Oh, Adam didn't like three-star Cody against Nick Aldis for the NWA title, but the story was a seven-star story. It popped me. It worked. It was great. This here, this Cody Dustin has a chance to do the same thing. The two videos that they put out already shows you that they might. And would have, Would I have had that reaction to a 50-year-old Dustin against three-star Cody in WWE? No, because WWE has lowered my expectations what to expect. In 2015, when Dusty was still alive and they were setting up this Stardust-Goldust feud that had Mania Match written all over it, it ended up on the kickoff show of Fastlane. And it was like 10 minutes and the story foundation was there. Dusty was in between them saying, sons, it doesn't have to be like this. It was a slam dunk and they blew it. How, they're not going to blow it at AEW. This is great. And the synergy connected with the fact that Cody is Dust, D- Dusty's son. What he's doing as a maverick right now with AEW and putting his career on the line and taking a chance, that's all Dusty all the time. So to have his debut match in this federation against brother, And if you're telling me in advance, BC, I know you're excited, but the match is going to suck. I don't care. It's fantastic. I'm fired up. And By the way, Goldust, not that bad in his late 40s. I'm here for it, Adam. I can feel it in my
1: bones. (laughs) I don't want to, like, couch the whole thing. So just uh, not, not that bad in his late 40s. A, he's 50. B, he's coming off double knee surgery. C, Cody's coming off a single knee surgery. So you got two roads, three surgeries, one match. That's what we're dealing with here. Um, so I'm not going to rev my engine. I'm not going to blow the horn here, but I'm going to give a solid two thumbs up. Cool. I'm excited for this match. I think it'll be good. Um, I think it'll be a five star story or a four and a half star story and a two and a half, three star match. Um, maybe they go hardcore match and, and that gives them a little bit more flexibility and gives Dustin more importantly, a little bit more flexibility to not just have to work in the ring and, and do so much stuff right after surgery. Both of them really, um, but I just kind of feel like it's like I almost wish there's a natural build here, but there's not a storyline build like they're going to tell this story over you know, YouTube, over uh, being the elite, maybe a little bit and the road to double or nothing. They'll tell it probably primarily through that. But I just kind of wish like maybe this was at fight for the fallen in July and they allowed their show to start or they had their first show and didn't give us this right away and built up to it. With maybe Dustin joins the AEW, but he has problems with the ways, some of the ways that Cody's managing the business. And maybe Dustin's not an EVP, but maybe he's a VP under his brother. And yeah. there's some deep-seated hatred there and jealousy that that Cody's the one that started the company and not Dustin. And then they get into it, and then they have a match. Dad it just loves feels me like, more. Maybe it, feels it, it feels forced. It feels forced is all. So, yeah, would I have preferred it? And, and OK,
0: fourth wall removed. You and I have already had this debate. It, no one's going to hear it, though. And it was a great debate. I just about, made my point better
1: this time. though. Yeah, so you did. You my, did. The, the other conversation was worse. This one's The better. other conversation yeah.
0: made you look really bad. And you would have taken the <laughs> L from all the audience here. But the whole point is this. Look, I always look good. Could it have been better as a slower build? Yes. But they're trying to make a splash. The timing worked right to get Dustin out of his deal. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, it would have been better with a having them turn on each other or whatever, but they still have time to really present a story that's centered around their love for their father and carrying on his legacy, and uh, I couldn't be more excited. As the Foundation Four matches now for Double or Nothing, May 25th in Las Vegas, Adam, I am fired the hell up when you have Neville Pock versus Hangman Page for probably the first AEW title, although that hasn't happened, but we assume it. That tag team title match with the AAA belts when you consider you got the Young Bucks against... Penta and his brother Ray Phoenix, which is hot friggin fire, Omega Jericho two, Dustin Cody, I want to be there. I want to cover this i want as a fan I want to be there i'm this this is this feels more special coming in than all in did.
1: Oh, I disagree with that. I think all in definitely felt more special, but this is a really solid card with good wrestling great potentially great wrestling. Let me clarify that right off the bat. It just feels like the tag team match. And the Rhodes match have storylines. The rest of them are just kind of really damn good matches that they're shooting off on the first show. I mean, this, I, I said this earlier uh, when we had our previous conversation, but it's like, it, it feels to me like fireworks where you have a fireworks show and you have the grand finale at the end and, and you know, they just hit that button and all the, light, all the fireworks go up at the same time and blow up in the sky and they all come down. There's a big cloud. And you're kind of sitting there wondering, oh, like, I guess it's over now. We should go home. So I, I just kind of feel like that is how Double or Nothing is going to come off to us, which is it's going to be a great, I already know it's going to be a great show, but it just kind of feels like maybe they could have saved Jericho Omega 2 for a storyline build. Pac Hangman. Yeah, they did start that with a storyline. Absolutely. A face to face. But really nothing has happened for weeks. And yes, there's a couple of weeks left, but there's really no storyline outside of Hangman page trying to fit into his gear so he can wear full gear. Well, um, I mean, they don't have a TV weekly TV show at this. I know they have the YouTube shows, but like thirty minutes, they have thirty minutes on YouTube every week, okay. and they, and that's limiting themselves. They could have more if they want. All right, if nothing happens in May at all to build these storylines,
0: then maybe you'll have a point. But right now, this feels petty, Adam. I mean, like.
1: It's yeah. not being petty. I just can, just like I do with WWE. I can criticize and praise. Okay, but where no story another for Cody... person on the show only has praise for AEW and can't criticize? No
0: story for Kenny Jericho. They've been building that story for a year and a half. Jericho's not no, getting did. any younger. Younger. I don't know why you would want to build toward that.
1: Do the rematch now? Didn't we just have a run in with Cody? With uh sorry with uh, Jericho. They did build that storyline for a long period of time, and then they had the match, and then everything stopped. And Kenny won the IWGP title, and then he lost it, and then AEW started, and now AEW starts, and they just bring Jericho out to face Omega. Well, or did they not? What did they do last September when you could argue, although
0: it wasn't an AEW show, the first all-in was kind of the first AEW show, Jericho, unannounced, not on the card, ran in and attacked Kenny Omega, which set the stage for this match. They've built the story. It's ready. It's going to be fantastic. Am I
1: wrong, or didn't that set the stage for the first match?
0: No. The first match was in January of 2018,
1: September of All In last And Jericho year. ran in as Penta. Yes. Okay, so there is that additional attack. That's fair. But that, that also kind of felt like it was more one-off and unconnected. It was kind of like, hey, just how can we get Jericho to make an appearance at All In, which he did, and it well, was Well, they cool. connected it, so give him praise. This is good. But they didn't really connect it. They just said, here's a match.
0: Well, anyone that could look at... Uh, Jericho, Kenny, too, and not be excited when it was
1: like a four point seven the story, star
0: match the first time. And it's that's the kind of star power
1: you need on a card like this. I'm just saying. Listen, as we get closer, two well, we two weeks out from Double or Nothing, I'm quite sure that Jericho will, will be back on being in the elite, and they'll kind of get to those storylines. But if you're watching those shows and you're looking for storyline development, which we care about and what we criticize WWE, right? And we want storyline development for these matches. Right now you don't have Jericho. You have Jericho trying to split up Matt and Nick. WWE has, has five do, hours of television. Which I has know. nothing to do. And they have four matches on a show two months away, man. WWE tries tries to build a pay-per-view every week, every month. So you have you have Jericho trying to split up Matt and Nick, which is one storyline. You have Omega trying to start Fighter Fest, which is prob- by the way, fantastic storyline. Great name for a show. Really funny. But you have you have Omega trying to do that. Um and then you have this librarian thing happening and there's no build for these matches that are crossing in between. So look, if next week uh, being the elite and, and road to double or nothing switch gears and they start telling storylines, bringing us into this first ever AEW show. Great. Fantastic. But right now, there is a lot left to be desired from a storytelling standpoint a king take, for right? this show.
0: That's such a silver king take. It's like it's like you're afraid to get excited about something being good, so you have to prepare yourself that it I isn't that good. And it's the, gonna let I you preface
1: down. the criticism by saying I expect this to be good, if not great.
0: It'll be great. In fact, I don't. It doesn't need to be great for you. There's so much wrestling can't right now. Adam. Them, Brian. You may not you... like. You may not hear the Jimmy of the AEW, and that's fine. Right.
1: right. I can't hear the Jimmy because I criticize something that deserves it. Whereas you, the host of the show, the man whose name's on the marquee, can't criticize AEW. Well, you
0: won't they don't even have a TV show. So. They have two 10-minute YouTube clips. Fifteen. Okay? They don't even have a TV show, and you're like, well, there's not really good story, even though I could tell you each of those match how they've built the story. And you were like, oh, yeah, you're right. They did. It's like, come on, Silver King. Come tell me on. how they
1: built the women's triple threat story.
0: Well, I didn't put that as the four foundational
1: matches that I'm excited about, did I? <laughs> tell me how they, besides the one interaction, tell me how they built Pac-Hangman Page.
0: Um, well, that one interaction was when they announced Pac signing. Okay, so that was yeah
1: three months ago. <laughs> okay, and they've had <laughs> they two,
0: it. They've had two rallies, and they both appeared at each rally. And they and had videos where they,
1: they said, "Hey, I'm going to beat you."
0: So the rally was how they built the storyline. No they story don't have a TV line. show, Adam, so they Brian, can't do it. They have
1: they have two shows on YouTube every week that they can build storylines for these matches. All right, well, let's see, and, if and they're they... doing a good job. What they're do What they're doing they're doing a really good job cementing characters. They're creating the MJF character really strong, the Sammy Guevara character really well. Britt Baker they're doing. They're doing a good job building characters. But all those people I just mentioned, not Britt, but the, the two guys, they're in the over the budget battle royal. They're not even in a regular match. Give me Hangman Page storylines and Pac storylines and Kenny Omega that relate to his match with Jericho. They'll do um, that in May. the only storyline they're really strongly building on that show are the Jacksons against the Lucha Bros. They're building they're the doing a great job. out.
0: We'll see it. look if it if they
1: Punted in May, you'll have some rightful criticism. Until Criticize then, AEW. Until Give then, me a criticism right now.
0: Uh, I, I would have liked Cody and Dustin to get built too, but you know what? When you got something that big and you're oh, launching yeah. a, a league, go for it, alright? And by the way, we mentioned Leva Bates, Blue Pants last week, and now she's the librarian on AEW. How is that synergy? I was fired up for that development. A lot of our listeners, by the way, finding out that there is size-large Blue pants NXT T shirts available on eBay right now. I'm have to dive in and get that. All right, I may have to I may have to jump in and get that. Um, I just have I just have one question for you, Adam. Though.
1: Are you guys ready for a revolution?
0: You don't sound it. I don't know why you you don't like Conrad, but this is like like <laughs>
1: whoever said whoever said that. You I don't like that you play Conrad. that clip when there's a better Cody clip that we should play. No way. Who's actually part of AEW?
0: No way. Oh, God. I can't wait for this AEW
1: thing. Oh, no, the listeners, uh, all right. We got it out of the way. There's oh, some... my God. Let's talk about AEW forever. Hey, BC, more. why don't we jump into the real money, the real show, the main event? Uh,
0: yeah. All right. Let's do it. This is the main event.
1: All right. So WWE last week was awful. Straight up. The Superstar shakeup didn't make a lot of sense. Um, They left us Monday and Tuesday night wanting a lot more from both shows. And you and I spent a good hour on this program, rightly criticizing WWE up and down for decisions they made and and lack of storyline and two bad weeks of TV coming out of WrestleMania. But Brian, I watched five hours of television this week, WWE TV, Raw and SmackDown. And I was thoroughly entertained, start to finish, top to bottom, straight off the top. Are you in agreement with that?
0: I know you want to hear my opinion. You want to hear my analysis. Uh, I'm going to give it to you. But first, Adam, I'm going to give you a word from our friends and sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. And we're back. Adam, did I love this week? I loved it. Was it great? Was it top shelf across the board? No. But it was fresh. And when something is fresh, it can make up for mistakes along the way. It can make up, it can elevate something. Raw, the first 20, the first, I don't know, 45 minutes was trope heavy, same crap. I, look, I could not have been more disappointed with that opening segment on Raw. When Triple H comes in the ring and it's all fun and games, bro hugs, high fives to Seth Rollins. We're boys now. Who cares about storyline? And then it's the same typical WWE main roster trope of one by one. A talent comes out and makes a bid for them to win a title. And then they get interrupted by the next guy and the next guy. But how they evolved from there and put on two hours and 15 minutes of fresh, new. I don't know what changed. I don't know if Vince wasn't there this week. Or if he stuck back. I mean, you hear a lot of weird reports, right? Brian James, the Road Dog, is no longer writing SmackDown. He's got a different creative position. Did we know Jared and others and the former TNA guys are back there. I don't know how the formula works. All I know is we rightfully ripped the Raw and SmackDown after Mania and the Superstar ShakeUp for a lack of originality, no correlation, no foundation. This week felt fresh. The new feuds felt good. And there was just an overall connected feel that. Anything can happen that will just in, in, in when you back that up with matches that matter. And they did a great job with the two triple threats leading into that main event match. And then you give real, and the main event match is OK. But the two triple threat matches were pay-per-view level matches. And, and to get and to get a result. I mean, look, Adam, they telegraphed where we thought that main event of Raw was going. Telegraphed yeah, and, it in your and heart. You were,
1: and you were throwing a fit about it. And I would have been OK with it. And to, to to then,
0: one more time, give you what you want and deserve in a surprising manner. SmackDown wasn't as good, but pretty damn good overall. This, it doesn't feel like they fixed it, but it feels like they're trying. Try for us, people. Well, Please. no, I mean,
1: I think I think all criticisms of WWE this week are minor. Whereas last week, they were major. Last week, it was are you effing kidding me, the Viking experience? And are you kidding me that you throw all the talented women on one roster? And are you kidding me that we're going with Roman Reigns punching Vince McMahon in the face again? It's like, it was just so monotonous and just eye-roll inducing. Whereas this week, there were nitpicks. And my nitpick, since you mentioned the start of Raw, was they had Michael Cole open the show by saying, hey, here's two triple threat matches and this is what we're doing on the show. And then they ran the storyline to <laughs> to expose those two. Why are you doing that? Why don't you just do the, the, the TV sh- stuff and then have Michael Cole give the graphics and this is what's going to happen tonight? It, that was really strange and stupid. It made the opening segment irrelevant and it, Rollins really struggled on the mic because he was just like saying canned lines and waiting for other people to do things. It was, he was a bit parked. He almost didn't need to be out there at all. And it was strange to have him there with Triple H And then have everyone come out one by one. You almost thought, hey, they might do a six-man tag and do these matches next week. You know what I mean? That's kind of what it felt like. But yeah, ultimately, it worked. And as you said, and I was going to lay this up for you to to smash home, you are always telling me not all the matches have to be title matches, but there needs to be a reason for them in storyline. The matches have to matter. Now, What you're really talking about is not even like contendership matches, like building feuds that exist maybe outside of pay-per-view windows with superstars who might not be featured on them. But in this case, they laid out a show and they said, hey, you're going to want to be here at the 8 o'clock hour because we're going to have one triple threat match. You're going to want to be here at the 9 o'clock hour because we're going to have another. And you're going to want to be here at the 10 o'clock hour because we're going to name a new number one contender to the Universal Championship. Oh, and you saw in the first hour, one of those guys is going to be AJ Styles. Up for that, you know, potential win. So they just laid out a really nice show. And like I said, that was one small criticism. There's a couple other minor ones throughout the show. But top to bottom, I mean, those matches were good. The Styles match was ridiculous.
0: It was really good. in, in uh, the, the the Oddly enough, the ratings were really bad. They were the worst yeah. since January. It's always hard to explain and understand that. But I loved how everything felt fresh. And I loved... When you head into Corbin versus Styles, and let's get into it right the heck now, Adam. You said I was getting fired up. I tweeted out, if Corbin wins, we riot. And I tweeted that out knowing he's going to win. Because, of course, they've spent a lot of time from the GM angle with Corbin to always having him around Lashley and McIntyre and the main event heel feuds to putting him over angle and giving him that rub. I get why they would go in that direction. Okay, but it would have pissed me the heck off. It would not piss me off. It would have just been like, ah, all right. Do you know what it would have fit in perfectly with? This overall narrative we have is where, hey guys, enjoy mania, but don't complain too much or jump off the ledge from mid-April until uh, mid-June. Because it's going to suck, and it's going to suck bad, and the feuds are going to be mailed in. they are going to be rematches from Mania for a month at pay backlash. There might be a Saudi Arabia thrown in, and then it's just going to be ho-hum for a while. And here's why I wasn't excited. Rollins versus Baron Corbin is ho-hum. He's not going to win the championship, nor should he. And I don't care. He hasn't been pushed as a believable main event heel. I'm not saying he's doing bad work. I'm not saying he's bad in the ring. I'm not saying he's not getting over as the TGA Friday's uh, bartender in the in the vest in terms of getting over as a heel. But that to me is like, oh man, really? Like, talk about a few that just moves the chains. I had no sense of believability that they were going to cash in on our heartstrings and give us AJ versus Seth, which is, by the way, a dream match. And to do it, and probably the main event of this pay per view, which goes up against the damn Game of Thrones series finale, which I'm not, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but I get what, what people are, you know, how much has hooked their hearts that it's stopped the presses. It's like, it's like people in my neighborhood have parties every week for the show. I get, I know what's going on here. I can hear Jimmy to a certain degree. And WWE is not punting at him. If it's Rollins versus Corbin, they're punting. It's AJ and Rollins. Face versus face, which I love because you don't have to turn somebody heel, but both guys can kind of act like heels because the competitive nature is so big that it's kind of like when, uh, when uh, what was the one I loved? 2015 Fastlane, Roman Reigns against Daniel Bryan. I love the build. I love that match. I love everything. It's giving me that feels. I'm so fired up in a surprise fan sort of way. The same way they gave us Kofi and Kingston at Mania. The same way maybe they gave us too many babyface pops at Mania. It's not a bad business plan to give people what they want and deserve. But not everybody loved this. And I don't really get it. But we're going to get into it right now. I want to have you respond to this uh, DM slide from Tommy Wrestling at Tommy underscore takeover. Full disclosure, this guy Tommy Wrestling's coming for the Rushmore. And he tweets the balls out of us.
1: It's too much, Tommy. He tweets the ball bags out of us. But it's, I respect it's too much, man. Cut it, fire. Cut it in like a quarter. You need a quarter of your tweets. He says, BC, I know the
0: world is on fire for Styles Rollins, but I think they should have put Corbin over, and here's why. Corbin has been building towards top heel status for six-plus months, and the time to pay it off was now give Rollins and Corbin four weeks to build and finally give him that title shot. And then, and then he doesn't say it, but I, I assume he's saying then you can move on to Styles at SummerSlam where it probably belongs. Adam, you want to respond to that?
1: Which side are you I on? Act, I actually agree. No. I kind, of, I kind of agree because, look, Money in the Bank is the fifth major pay-per-view for WWE. It is. But it's usually, I think, in June. Or it's usually pushed back a ways from WrestleMania. What they did this year was they jettisoned paybacklash, and they took the Saudi Arabia show that they ended up doing like three weeks or two weeks after WrestleMania last year. And they moved that to June. So because that's in June, they have money in in the bank earlier and they got rid of the pay-per-view in between, which gives us this nice period, this nice six week, eight week period of building and them doing the superstar shakeup and getting things settled. And now I think there's four weeks until this show. Um, and there's by the way, no NXT that weekend either, which is strange. Um, but it seems too quick to bring the number one prospect into your brand and immediately put him in a title match. I'm not saying you need to save that for WrestleMania, but SummerSlam is only a couple months away, and you have a ton of top, uh, you know, main eventers and mid carders on that show. And Tommy's right; they have spent a significant amount of time putting Corbin over as a legitimate heel and a mid, high mid-card guy. So it did make sense to pay it off with a match here, let Rollins win, end the Corbin experiment, relegate him into a tag team, do something else with him. Personally, I like Baron Corbin. He has everything that you want. He has a unique look. You may not love it, but it's unique. He's damn good on the mic. He can get heat even if it's you know go-away heat. And he has improved every single year he's been in WWE in the ring. He has a unique moveset that a lot of guys don't have. I like watching him. That doesn't mean I like the storylines they're telling with him. I like him. So if you told me ultimately that his first challenger is going to be Baron Corbin, he's going to beat him, AJ is going to win Money in the Bank, or maybe he doesn't, but he's in that match, which would be a good spot for AJ, and AJ works his way up to number one contendership against Seth Rollins in the main event at SummerSlam, I'm all in. Because this match is in this show, and it's probably going to main event, I think we're going get, to get a schmas finish, and we're going to sit to look at ourselves and say they're going to do with Styles Rollins what they did with Styles Nakamura. They're just going to give us the match five times, and they're not going to be good finishes. And eventually, one of them will win, and that'll be it. There's, so I, I am scared of that. And you say I always get scared looking ahead, but I don't see a reason for them to give us a clean finish right away.
0: Okay, you you have reasons to hold those fears, and not, and certainly it's not a bad thing to say, hey. This Styles match could be so great. Let's save it for SummerSlam. Let's build toward it. That's not wrong. It's also not wrong to to praise Corbin. He's not awful. It's just that he represents too much control, storyline and outside by the McMahons, by the Authority. His character is is the McMahons taking him and plugging him in, so when he shows up on the screen in places he doesn't belong, which to me, I'm sorry, he does not belong in the main event as a singles competitor. At least not uh, yet. I agree. He not can be a henchman for the Authority, somebody's bodyguard, but he's still, he's still pretty damn good. I mean, I love this promo. I play it all the time. And
1: you can cry, 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 and I'll buy a
0: boat and float down the river of your tears. Yeah, it's fantastic. But here's my point overall, all right? I don't like that thought process because that thought process is inherently negative. It's basically saying AJ and Seth is too good of a match to do right now, right away. It's too much of what I want that if we get it, you're probably going to ruin it, WWE. You're probably going to smudge it or... Because you're putting it up against Game of Thrones series finale, you're going to run it to open the show. And even though that means it'll be good, it's still going to be kind of rushed and not have the oomph that it deserves. And you're probably inevitably going to let me down. I know I'm the same guy who last week told you, I don't need, why am I watching WWE main roster anymore? And when, when you have weeks in a row like that, I deserve to say that because I care about this product but we have seen optimistic changes from Kofi winning the damn WWE championship to certain things that lets us believe there's a possibility for change in the air. Heck the looming Fox thing means there's a possibility for change in the air. How could it's, it's a defeated mentality to not be excited that we're getting Seth AJ now and to not have optimism that they're going to go out there and put out a classic at money in the bank. Because like you mentioned, Money in the Bank is a fifth major. They're not punting against Game of Thrones, and they seem to be going for it. This is a dream match, and there's no reason why we cannot also have this at SummerSlam. And let's look back to AJ Styles, John Cena from 2016, one of the better feuds we have seen in WWE in the last 5, 10 years. It started at Money in the Bank with a match that was pretty damn good. It carried through the battleground, in July, that it turned into a AJ and the Club Gallows and Anderson against Enzo and Cass, who were red friggin' hot at that time, with Cena on a six man tag. Okay, it is what it was, right? It, it was an early match show. Then you have the all time five star classic at SummerSlam 2016 in Brooklyn, Cena versus Styles, and I know Cena went away for a while, but they kept that storyline going and they brought it back around, of course, to Royal Rumble where they had really one of the handful of best matches this company has put out or all of wrestling has put out in the last decade. We could have that for all we know with AJ and Seth. So I'm, I'm taking the high road here, Adam.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing that you're saying is wrong. It just feels fast because there's not that, you know, bumper pay-per-view between mania and money in the bank. It's making money in the bank feel less than it. It doesn't feel like a major and it feels rushed because he's been on the show for two weeks he made his debut and then he's the, became the number 1 contender it, it's almost like work up to that especially when you had and, and again cuz Drew McIntyre should have beat Roman Reigns and I've said this but you had Drew McIntyre was looking pretty damn strong You still have Bobby Lashley out there who you know you beat Brock but Brock's a shell of his former self I'm Bobby Lashley I'm everything he used to be you have that potential match there's other things they could have done to kind of give us a little space and let's not forget there is going to be a Saudi Arabia show blood money in the sand 3 in June, so what are you going to do for that? So that's kind of the perspective that I'm looking at it from. It's not that I don't want it, not that I'm not excited, not that I don't I don't think it's good booking, but I hope it's it, it's I have to hope that they continue it and they carry it over until SummerSlam or beyond because I just do not see a way where in a clean finish one of these two guys wins.
0: Man, I'd love Iowa. unless this the, unless this is to turn AJ heel. Which would not be a bad idea. And by the way, where is Gallows and Anderson?
1: They're on SmackDown. Is that official? Well, the superstar shakeup apparently is now two weeks, so it can be three if necessary. Well, they can put is, them anywhere they want. They haven't showed up, so
0: I know that we can rightfully, by the way, rightfully, even this week with even though there was good content, we'll get, yeah, we, we should can get rightfully that. rip Vince for the haphazardness of just making people switch brands. and It just makes it all look like a joke. But not to rehash the same feud I just mentioned from 2016. But what if Gallows and Anderson come running in, Adam, after a really good 20-minute match and create that Smosh DQ finish that gets the juices, you know, going. That I don't know Galizan's and contract situation. We thought we heard on the dirt sheets that they're trying to get out to go to AEW. If you follow Anderson on Twitter, he's kind of cryptically tweeting out
1: old Bullet Club pictures. He's doing a lot of weird stuff. I don't really know what's going on. But, but he's tweeting out ones with AJ and Finn, not with uh, the other guys. Basically, if they do
0: some kind of extended club group, obviously I'm going to be fired up for that. Even if they just go back to get AJ's side, there's ways that they could even do a smudge to build toward a bigger match, and I'd still be happy. Again, this ain't paint backlash, brother. We ain't having a rematch. Remember how many times the rematch, the big mania feuds, mania supposed to end, cut and dry. They did. They did it, they did it
1: all at the, at the greatest, Royal, like the greatest Royal Rumble. We were saying last year was bigger than Mania in terms of the matches they had on the show. Um the the spectacle of it. It was a joke. And they had a pay-per-view either in between it or immediately after it. And then don't let's not forget like the year before they had the pay backlash where like they still had a Randy Orton Bray Wyatt match or I, I forget oh, what even I happened the, with even that. Jericho
0: against uh against Kevin Owens was, was so gratuitous, right? Because that, that yeah,
1: feud had ended. It was just a joke. So WWE did do a very good job with their schedule. It just feels weird for two major pay-per-views to be immediately back to back despite the time in between them and for them to go from Seth Rollins, Brock Lesnar to Seth Rollins, AJ Styles its just really fast. And maybe it's just not trusting them and maybe they'll prove us wrong, but you know what? I am a game of Thrones fan. I'm going to be watching that. I'm going to have to watch the second half of money in the bank delayed. Yes. I'm going to stay off Twitter. Um, But it it kind of feels like they should know their situation here and maybe just say, we're not going to do this this time. Look, I might be wrong. Compete but what I was happy we're the damn WWE compete. But what I was happy about was that this, they told a good story with Styles reaching this point. And really, I want to hammer it home one more time. I'm going to do it on SmackDown too. There were some damn good matches Monday night on Raw. And that first triple threat, that finish with AJ Styles hitting the Styles Clash on Mysterio, onto Samoa Joe, and then pinning Joe for the fiftieth fiftieth time in in. Six months, probably. Um, That was fantastic.
0: I loved everything about that. That was really, 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 right. really damn good. And by the way, every time you ask Triple H about competition or any WWE top person, they'll say, "Oh, you know, NXT is our biggest competition. Or they'll go that other way, Adam, and go, we're not competing against other wrestling companies. We're competing against HBO, the NFL, Game of Thrones, uh, American Idol, whatever. We're like, yeah. So if you are. They compete, and that's why we have to applaud this.
1: Yeah. Uh, So moving over to SmackDown, since I just mentioned it, there was another damn good match on SmackDown, BC. Maybe the best that we have seen, and I'm going to speak for you, but I mean it for myself, maybe the best I've seen Shinsuke Nakamura look in a really long time. But Kofi Kingston, Shinsuke Nakamura in the main event of that show, and SmackDown ends, yes, you all expected it with Kevin Owens turning heel on the New Day, and specifically Kofi Kingston. I got to be honest, like, people will say it's a little too soon for Owens to turn heel, and based on what WWE's booking plans apparently were regarding Owens-Brian at WrestleMania, it looked like they were going to keep him as a face, or at least that's what they were planning to do, have Kevin Owens be this face character, who, by the way, was extremely over and getting massive cheers from the crowd. That was really cool to see. But look, I almost don't care that it was too soon because I like the storyline. It's a natural story that they can tell with Kofi Kingston and Kevin Owens here. And even if they take the title off Kofi after a month and just go into the storyline that they had always planned, I'm still probably okay with it. What about you?
0: Uh, This was fantastic. This was brilliant. Look, as much as we loved Kofi winning, that can't be a long term storyline because the core of that storyline is actually true, the whole B-plus player thing. Kofi's not a long-term WWE champion. He's just not. So it's got to be kind of a quick turn where you bridge to something. If that bridge is to put it on a revamped Kevin Owens, by the way, the tattoos look great. That's fantastic. We saw sociopath Kevin Owens come back. That's why this was brilliantly done, the small things. I like how the super kick kind of came out of nowhere after they teased times where you thought he was going to turn on Kofi, and then the kick just happened, so that's well done. And then to see the facial expressions, to turn and put that uh, famous Kevin Owens power bomb on the ring apron, which I have to guarantee hurts so bad. It and does. They, Coez, they
1: say, the wrestlers say it's, it hurts more than anything. To do that to Woods is so brilliant, because
0: Biggie's out. Now Woods could potentially be out. And now you don't have the help to prevent Kofi from losing the title. So they're in such a great spot right now because we got to pop for two weeks with Kevin Owens pretending to be part of the New Day, and they did it in a way that made it fun. And now you can spin off where if you're just going to hand off to Kevin Owens, then you're going to get a main event-worthy pay-per-view match. And if you're not, they can F around with this Shield idea that I've been throwing out there for a while. And it could be money. And that idea again doesn't have to lead to a long term breakup, but there's ways you can have it lead toward a either a a new day triple threat match or handing the title over to Big E through that match.
1: Ah, uh, I just don't think they're doing that, man. And there's so many other main eventers on that show now with Reigns and all these other guys and Miz. I mean, it just I just don't see that happening. Not Miz, sorry, so uh, do, you Reigns, th- do you
0: think ultimately then it, then Ko would be a bridge toward Reigns getting the title back?
1: Yes. Everything, everything is a bridge towards Roman Reigns getting the title. Every storyline in WWE, it, on whatever brand he's on, is ultimately how does Roman Reigns become champion once again? You know, and I'm not saying that's necessarily. To, I'm not saying that's necessarily bad. Yeah, it's the just more the we truth. think
0: about it. Like they when they put him on the IC level on Raw during that time that Braun was red hot, and they kind of which
1: I which Silver King right here, don't forget, was all about.
0: You know, it, it turned out to be a good idea, but you he's too big of a star. You cannot do that again. You cannot do that too Correct. often. It was the right time to do it unless you have him in a blood feud with somebody, which when they teased that, uh, I thought he was going to feud Shane McMahon for a while. And I was like, with with the heel Shane work on the mic lately, I know to a degree he can still help out Elias, which is the direction they're going now, but with the heel work that he's been doing on the mic, the idea of a Roman-Shane feud over messing with people's dad got me fired up. That would be a way to delay having to put the title on him, but you're right, well, you, you they, can only do that for so long.
1: But they can feud him against both of them and, and have him either beat Elias or have Shane help Elias win, and then he can feud with Shane. So that has a little ways to go, I think. I think they can run this with roman for a couple months and be totally okay. Maybe it's Shane Roman at, in Saudi Arabia. Maybe that's the match. Like cool. That would be pretty so, cool. So I, I think you have opportunity there. But you know, if WWE does go with this Owens-Kofi thing, which it seems like they are, it's such a natural storyline and it's true. Just like Co- Just like the rest of the Kofi storyline, Kofi not only took Mustafa Ali's spot, he took Kevin Owens' spot at WrestleMania. Kevin as a face was seemingly supposed to beat Daniel Bryan the heel for the title at WrestleMania and be the new face champion of the WWE title. And Kofi took that opportunity. And now Daniel Bryan apparently is injured or taking a break. It's really murky. We don't exactly know what's happening with Daniel Bryan. So they have this guy who they had planned to be a face, who legitimately in real life should be a heel. He should be pissed that Kofi took his WrestleMania spot, his big moment. And he turns on Kofi and now is a heel, Kevin Owens, and we all love Kevin Owens the face, but. The heel turn Kevin Owens is the best, the prize fighter guy, uh, can take the title off Kingston at Money in the Bank, and I will 100% believe it, and I'll be 100% okay with it.
0: Yeah. I, man, I, I, I want to see the new day on the title main event level in a triple threat match so badly. I feel that. Did you see...
1: It's a perfect it's, I just don't think it's going to happen, man. I don't think they're going to do it. Did you see the uh, move that Nakamura did that he took from Ishimori with the... Uh, german suplex off the between brilliant. the ropes
0: look there's a lot of brilliant stuff that happened over these two days i was just looking over what happened on raw which we kind of sped fast i mean we got another sammy oh, we got Zane, a ton to talk about brilliant promo heel promo there's no there's no more to talk about than we had last week because it was kind of a repeat but what Sami Zayn is doing on the microphone is absolutely fantastic and adam i am so friggin into this becky lynch lacey evans thing that's going on right now okay
1: well that, that's what i was gonna bring up next anyway so, let's talk about that, but also the ge- the big general item, which is her doing double duty at a pay-per-view, defending both titles in separate matches. Pretty strange, but why don't you start with Lacey? I'll go on to Charlotte, and then we'll kind of meet in the middle there. Yep. Got it. <laughs> Dean Ambrose looks like he wants a piece of this pie. Don't we all? All right, here's the
0: deal. I'm not trying to be a creepy old man. I'm trying. To, I'm not trying to make it all about the... But in this case, it is part of it. It's planned as part of it, of course, just like a Mandy Rose character plays that up a lot. But this time around, Adam, it's really, really working. And that's not the main reason why she's working, of course. It's working because she's been really executing her character perfectly for somebody who is a novice had a short run at NXT and was instantly thrown on the title level against red-hot Becky Two Belts. There's a lot of pressure there. But from her in-ring work, from the way she's handling the, swa- the swag of her character, the whole like panache of it, it's friggin' brilliant right now. And it is underwritten by that. There's no question. But it's, a, it's almost in a classy way. It's not a, like a Sunny Sable way. There's a classy way, and I know that plays into her character's personality, of course. They're hitting a monster home run. Having Becky put the arm bar on Alicia Fox and then get hit with the woman's right, the timing of that was perfect. I know inevitably it was a repeat of spots they've already run twice, which is Lacey running in and laying out Becky. And that could get you tired. Like, I'm really tired of Lars Sullivan running in and just laying people out with no sign of anything to come. But what they're doing with Lacey is getting me so amped up to see whether she can be on the level of Becky in a pay-per-view match and whether she can live up to whatever expectations Vince had for her when he pulled her out of NXT and said, yo, good God, this good, good, you know, this is the one. I think she could actually be that, Adam. Like, Mandy Rose has been fine, especially when they tried to push her out there, you know, as this thing, as a sexual thing. But I really am starting to think, That Lacey Evans is a star, like a like is going to be everything in every category. And to be honest, we're going to play the sound on our bonus pod this week. But she was in character during that interview. It was maybe two minutes long. But what she does with her eyes while playing that character, it's she knows exactly what she's doing. I mean, she's got it. She has it, Adam.
1: I also think they and I could be wrong, but I think they got rid of the quote unquote sassy southern belle. Moniker, thank God. And if they didn't, they definitely should. But she she was great on Raw. And she really has been. And for everyone that was criticizing her walk down the ring, you know, for all those weeks, it always felt like they were leading to something, and they obviously did. But I'm not gonna let Lacey Evans' greatness in terms of her the role that she's put forth so far, and as much as I love Becky Lynch, to have us gloss past, and I'll use the word, the absolute shit show that was that Becky Lynch Alicia Fox match. That match never should have happened, and there's no reason that WWE should allow Alexa Bliss the week prior to come out and beat Bailey in 90 seconds and then have Becky Lynch, the champ champ, have an eight-minute, two-segment match with Alicia Fox where every single spot was blown. And 90% of them were Alicia Fox's fault. And I'm not sitting here saying they should go fire Alicia Fox. It's not my job. That match was horrible. And for, like, basically being the lone women's segment on the entire show, it was a joke. Like, they made Becky Lynch look horrible in that situation. There was no reason that Alicia Fox should have been in that ring.
0: I'm not nearly as angry as you are. In fact, I'm not angry at all. Like, the match it was, was horrible. Great, but here's the thing. It's a non-title match, as it should be. And the match Why was... is
1: she struggling with someone who hasn't wrestled in three months?
0: Okay, I I, I get the criticism of that. But, but that was a pretty harsh uh, slam you put on it. Like— yeah, it shouldn't have been that long. They maybe just wanted to stretch out that segment. But that segment was about Lacey. That's what that was about. And she delivered perfectly. Should she not go life or death with Alicia Fox? Probably not. But it wasn't a, it wasn't a title match. I, I wasn't that moved. moved yeah, and neither was direction.
1: Bailey. Neither, neither was Bailey. Alexa Bliss last week. They had Alexa Bliss bury her. I have never seen a smaller superstar. And this is a tangent. Then Alexa Bliss have, like, two moves in the, the punch, which is basically the women's right, and the DDT that are suddenly so devastating that she just beats people in 30 seconds with them. And then they have Bailey, after losing to Alexa Bliss in 90 seconds, go over to SmackDown, which is how I'll make the connection here, BC, and have, like, a barn burner of a match against Charlotte Flair, who was just the SmackDown women's champion. So in what storyline universe do those things make sense? that she's going to have this barn burner match with Charlotte and get her ass kicked by Alexa Bliss. Yeah, that's the lack of
0: continuity. That's the lack of planning for the Superstar Shakeup. You know, we had people the debut the second week. I thought the Superstar Shakeup was over. It, it, it's, so, it's so stupid. It's so stupid the way they handled it. They certainly deserve the negative for that. I thought Raw was a better show than SmackDown because of for some of those reasons, but also because of little things, Adam. That backstage promo, which was two minutes with the Usos, And the Revival walking in, which it was only two minutes. There was no match. There was no attack. But in that two minutes, it put over everything. It introduced the Usos to their new brand. It had them cut mini-rap promos ripping all their potential opponents. And then the Revival walked in and looked like top guys and tough guys. And now I'm fired up for this feud. That's subtle brilliance. We haven't been doing that on Raw in a long time
1: right there. They just did backstage segments that matter, that weren't canned interviews, that that just to promote the match that was coming up, right? It felt fresh. And the Usos, just by being on Raw, injected life into the tag team division. They haven't even wrestled yet, as you said, or maybe they did last week. I don't remember. But but they haven't had anything of significance there. But just seeing them with the Raw logo behind them next to the revival, you're like, there's actually something here. There's something to get excited about. And it seems like they're fulfilling that promise in the Raw tag team division. Um, but But to stay with this women's situation so we go over to smackdown now and becky shows up again with her two belts uh and you have bailey coming out and you've and you've charlotte already in the ring for this face-off and becky's cutting the right promo which is why the hell are we face to face again haven't we already done this right my issue with it with the storyline aspect is charlotte's like yeah you beat ronda at wrestlemania and becky could have easily just come back and been like I just beat you two times in a row once to get into WrestleMania. And granted that was DQ. And then she beat her ass again at the uh, evolution or whatever the hell. What was it? Was it evolution where they had the hardcore match? Could be. I think it was uh, in one of the, one of our matches of the year last year. So she's beat her head to head twice. So there really isn't a good reason for this. You have Bailey come out. They put on a really good match between Charlotte and Bailey and giving Bailey a backbone. I thought was great. Ba- that Bailey character felt renewed and felt like someone who could actually make a difference in the SmackDown, Smackdown single scene, which is cool. But people are sh- are crapping all over uh, Charlotte getting yet another opportunity at Becky. But I look at, real quick, let me, I'll, I'll finish real quick. I'm looking at this the same way I'm kind of looking at Styles and Rollins, but slightly in reverse, which is, I don't expect this to be a clean finish at the pay-per-view. I don't think that they're going to have this like 35 minute match and Charlotte's going to take the SmackDown women's title from Becky. The way I look at it is Becky's doing this thing where she's defending both titles in the same night. She beats Lacey Evans. She faces Charlotte Flair and whoever wins the women's money in the bank cashes in before or after that match and takes one of the titles off her allowing Becky to be on raw and the SmackDown women's title to be on SmackDown.
0: I have really no problem with it overall. I get what you're saying about the opportunities, but look, it's Charlotte Flair. Storyline or not, she's, she's going to get and deserves the opportunity. She didn't get pinned at WrestleMania in that title match, ultimately. So does it feel like they're going back to the well? Yeah, but here's the thing. That's the hot ticket right now. The hot ticket is Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair coming off of that main event and everything that Becky's doing. So I don't hate going back to the well right there if, if there's no smudge and if Becky or Charlotte wins a title. It makes sense for me right now. To have Charlotte win that title. Because no one can sustain holding two championship belts like that. And going back and forth like that. And the fact that they're putting the two matches on the same night. I actually kind of like that. Because it will give an excuse of why she will lose. And maybe Lacey Evans will cost her the match. Who knows. Like something will happen. But Charlotte should be the champion on SmackDown. The, the brand that she's the face of. And if they're going to get her to 16 world title reigns. This is another way to get her a quick one. And it frees up Becky to be feuding with Lacey Evans through SummerSlam. I'm down for all of it. I'm even kind of down with how they presented it on Tuesday night, which
1: is we got these two giant stars. Let's get them in the ring together, and let's have them talk some trash. It, it's just we've seen it so much you know, since, like, September. Like, fans want something different. Bailey coming out was refreshing. Like, putting Bailey over Charlotte would have been refreshing, having Bailey and, and Becky Lynch. So while we're refreshed on Raw, it really is on SmackDown. We're getting a match that we've seen. So many times. But and if a, it's face quick to face. and
0: painless and it leads to Charlotte as champion and Bailey chasing her,
1: then so you want you. So you just want Charlotte to beat her
0: basically. Uh, yeah, I, I do title. I, I want, I want Charlotte to beat her. Yeah. yeah this I'm is not kidding. sustainable. The two belts thing is, is fun. It's a moment. She held two up in the air. You'll look back on it with pictures and video, but it, it's not sustainable. They no, don't... it's
1: not. It's not sustainable. And she should be on raw because they need her more on raw Becky in terms of like the, the roster. But there's no reason. They, they can't just have Charlotte beat her again. Like they, they can't just – because you know what? For people that say Charlotte is the female Roman, it's not true. It's actually not true. But this makes her the female Roman. And it, and it forces the narrative of we're going to give her number nine because we need to get her to 16. All right, what and we, about don't, Bailey? and we don't care about the rest of our story. What teams? about Bailey cashing in? That I'm in for. Right. Bailey cashes in. It's a triple threat. She pins Becky, takes the title down for it and then charlotte can win it three months later if they want that's fine all right. I'm, I'm, but why I'm, don't you but if you're gonna do that maybe just put bailey over charlotte build bailey up as a legitimate singles performer right like these are the things in wwe's mind it's all about charlotte and now lacey evans and alexa bliss and well, becky okay. kind of forced her way in there but that's your that's if your it argument that's you're
0: gonna make her roman reigns then i i i would i would be larry of that but God, she's the face, man. She's everything. She's everything to them, rightfully so. Get her to 16 world title rates. I'm with oh, her. And, she,
1: and she's far more complete than Roman is. But, uh, yeah, I'm just saying it, it's, it's a frustration. It's been a big um,
0: week. It's been a good week. Let's not just say. Let's be excited, okay? I got oh, I, yeah. I got something coming in here that I know you were fired up about. This is from a man named Matt N at Supermat1331. I don't think I've ever heard of this guy before, right? But no. hey, welcome no. to the family. Thank you for listening. He says, the milk of Mark Marknesia is flowing for the glorious Robert Rude. Tell me you're feeling all of that. BC, you're a fan of the 80s territory days, and Rude is a throwback with his style and give, it, give him the love he deserves for a change. Adam, I know you popped like crazy when this happened
1: absolutely loved it. You want to talk about name changes that make sense? Well, a heel should not be named Bobby. You don't think heels should be, you don't think demons should be faces, BC? I don't think heels should be named Bobby. It should be Bob Lashley or just Lashley. It shouldn't be Bobby Rude. It doesn't make any sense to me. Robert Rude is a great name for him. The porn stash is incredible. And him simply being a heel, which he is far, far better at than being a face on WWE television, is a massive win. And by the way, how did WWE cement that? They put him over Ricochet clean. They let a heel beat a face clean in a good match on Raw. Raw was so refreshing because every match, I think almost every match, ended clean. And it didn't matter if the heels won or the faces won. They were definitive. And it felt like it mattered. More so than even on SmackDown, although it felt similar on SmackDown. But they had – they turned Bobby Roode heel. They explained it. They had him cut a promo on on YouTube and social media, which I wish was on TV. But I digress from that. And they let him beat Ricochet, who could absorb the loss and come back next week and be just fine. Do not let Ricochet beat Bobby Roode – Robert Roode, excuse me, next week. I'm with you. I, I, I popped so big for the finish there because – Look, we talked about
0: AJ winning was like a, a fan victory for me. Like, like I watched this show and they rewarded me. The right guy was one. The right booking was for Bobby Robert to win right there, to make him legit. Because it it was looking to be like, who cares about Robert Roode if he's just going to come out and lose to Ricochet? And by the way, I'm glad they broke up up Ricochet and Aleister Black, who don't need to be together. And I'm glad they're not beating everybody every time now. It doesn't mean that I like 50-50 booking. This isn't that. It just means that you can overblow somebody when they come on the scene and have them beat everybody. And speaking of beating everybody, Adam, and I don't want to go long on this, but for the second straight week, the Iconics, who are the women's tag team champions, took... Two more losses. They haven't they're won 0 in, anything.
1: They're
0: 0-4. 0-4 since winning the title. In in a combination of singles, eight women tags, and tag team ma- non-title tag team matches. So it's a joke, but now it's, it's happening so much that it's a purposeful joke. Like they're trying yes. to demean the team and say that them winning it is a joke. But who do you, how do you win? The only way that that works is when you're doing an upset situation, when you're doing the B team, when you're doing Heath Slater and Rhino. This was a team that they had been building for a while as credible, not over, well, not overly dominant, but credible. They've just crapped all over that.
1: Well, they're showing that they can't win as singles. I I, I thought all the losses came as singles, and if they didn't, no, not title least...
0: tag match, eight woman tag match. It's all been crap. Okay.
1: okay. Oh yeah, right. Naomi beat them in a ta- in a tag with Bailey. Right. Um, I don't know what they're doing, and, and it is clearly the storyline, so that's fine, but. Yeah, they're they're supposed to be chicken crap heels. And by the way, their promo work has been much improved the last two weeks. They've calmed down a little bit and been more clear and concise in the things they're saying, and they're playing off each other very well. So I like that. But having them go 0-4, I mean, it's kind of, it gives more justification to like Sasha Banks being upset, which is they're making the titles joke. They're making them not matter. And it kind of seems like they're going to have another triple threat match. For these damn titles at Money in the Bank. When it why can't we get a two on two real tag team match for the tag team titles? We just haven't gotten them, right? So it's a joke and it's it's frustrating. And you know, everyone pushed so hard for these. Look, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because it's clearly a purposeful storyline and it's not just to put other people over, but they gotta start winning. I mean, or
0: if you're going let... to be on both shows, which they are, and there's you know talks about NXT as well, you got to have it on a credible champion team that you're trying yeah. to push as stars. Bailey and Sasha was that, so if that's not the key, I don't know where you're going. Like if, It might be time for, a, I don't know, whatever they call absolution now. Fire and desire, fire and yeah, ice, lightning fire and, and desire. thunder, whatever. It might be time to just get, put it on them and get, they can work. They, they have a good look. Put it on them and just give them a run as tough wrestlers.
1: They're the, they're probably the best tag team remaining. I mean, Asuka and we've Sane are great, but Fire and Desire is actually legitimate, and you know they're together, and they've been built together, and they win, and it's just weird that they're kind of relegated to this role of like fifth or fourth most mentioned tag team on the show. Um, Brian, we got deep into the show, and somehow we have not spoken about, honestly, probably the biggest news of the week. Forget CM Punk. Forget what's happening with AJ Styles and, and Seth Rollins. Bray Wyatt's back, BC. And the Firefly, Firefly Funhouse is upon us. Now, I don't know about you, but the way that this came into my view sitting on my couch was like like a dog listening to you call him from afar, like a head turn, and like, what the hell is this? And then seeing the the graphic and being like, oh, my God, this is the Bray Wyatt thing. What are they doing? To, oh, my God, this is incredible. Is that the same range of emotions you had? Yeah, there was a surreal and feeling. Explain
0: it to me. There was a – def you, you sort of nailed – you picked up on something. There was this surreal feeling and within that surrealness of like, what is this? Is this good? Is this going to keep going? Is this a segment? Is this happening now? Is this bad? Oh, this sucks. Oh, wait, no, it's actually kind of good. Oh, wait, this is weird. Oh, no, I love this. It was so present the whole time, which ultimately leads you to know it was great. I'm actually saying great. I'm actually saying, oh, man, I'm fired up for this. And I'm going to be honest. I don't think we've ever received as many DMs. And I'm not even going to read one because all the damn DMs are the same. I don't think we've ever received as many DMs about one thing ever in the history of the show. I mean I've got a legit like 21DMs.
1: I don't know Viking experience was pretty deep last week. I mean it's it, it, close, but
0: people love this and they should because it's taking a chance, there's a lot of attention to detail and it's the right performer. Bray Wyatt is a is a legend. And I know you can laugh at that and be like, well, he hasn't really accomplished that much. He's a legend in waiting. I mean, he's third generational. The the, the genes in his family are insane. But he's the rare guy in 2019 who could do this type of thing. And I think it's more them problem than him problem in recent years in terms of the booking, never consistently making him matter, doing going too far in the cheesiness. They've gonna have a tightrope to walk with this. But week one ruled. And every time you rewatch it, you find different wrinkles in it that maybe teases for other things. So at its core, it's twisted Mr Rogers mixed with Pee Wee Herman, mixed with Blue's Clues, it's got that whole creepiness feel to it. The characters, oh my god, the 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 shout-out to the, the reference to Waylon Mercy with that, uh, what do, what do you call that thing in the box? The buzzard? The buzzard in the box who's dressed like Waylon Mercy, who, by the way, I was reading, Waylon Mercy was played by Danny Spivey for one year in WWE. I was reading on Wikipedia, I don't know if this is true, that it was Danny Spivey who was visiting the Performance Center while Bray Wyatt was there in NXT as like a special guest, and gave Bray Wyatt the idea for the original Bray Wyatt character as sort of a spinoff of Waylon Mercy. If that's all true, and this is a full circle on that, that's a feel spot activation. That's fantastic, by the way. Love that connection right there. And then, of course, that weird creepy doll. And I can't find the DM, though. One dude DM'd me, and he said what a lot of people are saying on Twitter, which is, what if, Adam, those puppets will become physical manifestations because bray said you know these are my friends you'll be seeing more of them what if that is eric young who seems to be the only sanity member still alive and what if nikki cross is the female
1: yeah it's certainly possible and that would make sense and at least in terms of the depictions of them and That'd be great whatever but i don't even know if he needs a group necessarily or it doesn't matter here's the thing and tristan said this He he said that the entire segment, Tristan leano by the way, at Atoliano underscore Tristan. He's a member on Twitter. of our – he is the face of our Mount Rushmore. Face of I our Mount thank Rushmore. You for shutting the F up and letting me talk for a minute. And he, before I go, I would like to state that I did not bang Sonny. Thank either.
0: you. Thank you. I always have to get that out
1: there. He, he also kind of said Waylon Marcy meets like Pee Wee Herman. That's kind of what he, he came up with. And I agree. Here's why it was great. And it took me some time because I, I messaged you and Jack simultaneously and I was like – I don't know why I like this so much, but I really like this. And I sat back for five minutes and I realized Bray Wyatt commits to his characters. It doesn't matter what they are. It doesn't matter if it's the the original Bray Wyatt character that's fantastic or the ridiculous Sister Abigail stuff that they tried to do around Halloween a couple years ago um, or this. He's, the as you said, the only guy who could do this. And he's going to do it well because it's Bray Wyatt. I have confidence in it Because it's him, you could put as an example, Aleister Black in that same spot and have the promo be exactly the same and just as good. And I would look at it and say, "Ugh," you know, like I I don't know if this is going to work. But because it's Bray Wyatt, it will work to some degree. It may not be something that lasts five years. Maybe it is a six-month thing, and he transitions into a version of his character that's fifty-fifty. To me, it seemed Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. I forgot what the exact words were on his hands on those two gloves. One was heal, one,
0: one was hate,
1: hate or something like that. Heal and but hate. if you but if you realized when he he put one up to his ear, uh, the hate one up to his ear, and that's when he turned the chainsaw on and cut himself in half, his old self. And by the way, really good production value. With there were roses behind the part that cut out to represent blood, without it being blood, it was so cool. Um. And and maybe the heel part is a nurturing guy who when he puts that up to his ear, it tells him something and he does something else. There's also things that Redditors and other people online found out that Bray Wyatt had sent tweets dating back to like December that all basically were alluding to him being in a psychiatric ward and being evaluated and having this God complex jettisoned out of his head and this more merciful, kind, caring person injected That's in, brilliant. but he deleted all those tweets. So it almost kind of feels like there's a backstory where if fans are paying attention. They can get it. And if not, now they can relive it by going online and reading some of these theories. And if this is just the start of something bigger, Brian, like they, they didn't screw up the broken universe necessarily. They just gave it a limited chance maybe this is something Matt hardy related maybe well there's a lot who, of yeah who a- knows what this is there's so many possibilities and the and the truth more than anything else it was unique and different
0: it was great it was in it, its it's everything you just said it has me so excited. Yeah, they could ruin it next week. But it has me so excited because this guy is so friggin' talented that he needs something like this. And he looked great. Physically, the, with the new look showing the the tattoos on the back of the neck, he looked rebirthed and reborn I really hope, and, and look, Matt Hardy tweeted out the uh, Lake of Reincarnation and, and added Bray Wyatt. So uh, you wonder if they, if there's an extension for him to be a part of it, if they add those old Sanity members as part of his new team. I think he needs a team, because he's that creepy dude who needs to lead people. It just makes sense on his heel creepy character to have evil henchmen who listen to him and do what he says. He's a he's the best heel in the company when going. He is. Maybe Lesnar is. He is. It's, it's right there. They're two completely oh, different kinds not. of heels. It's amazing. And I mean, by the way, they blew up Sanity, seemingly for no reason, after a lack of a push. Alexander Wolfe has moved on, by the way, to NXT UK, it looks like, and is joining up in a faction with Walter, and it looks fantastic. It's going to be great. And we don't know what's going on with Eric Young and Nikki Cross. I didn't know that Nikki Cross was married to Killian Dane. Did you know that? Yes. Did not know that. Anyway, uh, if they're part of it, it's going to be great. But uh, Vincent Siling at Chops and Stick... I have no idea where if that was a a, a bad thing. Is that thing a username? What is that? Yeah, that's at Chops and Stick. Uh he eventually was like uh he's always wanted a psycho type of character with a cherry exterior. He thinks the kind that Bo Dallas at his peak at times with sort of that inspirational guy with a mean streak who can turn on you is sort of where he hopes this is going. I would not be against it if it's like that. I don't know how they're gonna use the whole playhouse thing, the fly firefly house, whatever it's called, but they got to go big with this because if they don't go big with this, it's not going to matter. I mean, remember when Bray Wyatt originally went to the main roster and then he ends up in that Cena feud and then there's blood in the ring and there's kids showing up talking creepy. To- I want big. I want huge. We don't know what Brandy's on because this segment has appeared on both. But Adam, if you were pulling the strings, what baby face is he going against off the, st- off the start? Something's got to matter here.
1: So that was a nice surprise, too, that you just mentioned. He was on both shows where we thought it was raw because that's where it's, you know, that was the first time you saw it, and you're like, oh, okay, he's going to be on Raw. That makes sense. And he should be on Raw, by the way, because I think they need it a little bit more than SmackDown. And it's a longer show, so you have more time to do more things with the backstage segments and the vignettes and everything else with him. I don't know who he should feud with. I mean, if Styles doesn't win, Styles makes a lot of sense. Obviously, Rollins makes a lot of sense. The Miz, um, I don't know. Like, There's so many different ways that you can go with this you mentioned something that's really important. There's really no reason that Bo Dallas is not part of this. And there's no reason that he hasn't been part of things Bray has done in the past. It's time. They guys, they look like identical to each other as they should um, as brothers, but, but it would fit so well. And Bo Dallas does have the character ability to do something like this. It almost seems wasteful to not give him that opportunity.
0: I hope that Bray gets what he deserves. Cause I mean that when we look back on this era, it's going to be Roman's era, but you're going to ha- you're going to remember the tail end of AJ's career. Rollins is probably going to be the number two player in this era. Lesnar will have lingered. You saw the end of Cena. The, I mean, you know, eras cross over from each other, but I think Bray could be the heel of this era. The dark, you know, like the like the guy. But we gotta we gotta go for it. We gotta try something. They're doing it. Let's get behind it. Let's follow it.
1: Don't blow it. WWE. Thank did, you. Did, so moving on from this, did you have any? concerns and and i guess i'll I'll tell the story first and then you can kind of come back from here apparently according to i believe it was mike johnson of pw insider maybe it was someone else um fox was none too pleased with wwe that they took all the latino superstars off of smackdown when fox deportes is gonna i guess simulcast smackdown on tuesday nights um so they basically asked vince hey can you put someone back on that show vince chose andrade uh, by putting Andrade back on the show, that meant Zelina Vega had to go back to SmackDown. And because WWE very nicely keeps married couples together, that means Alistair Black also had to go to SmackDown. So a request for one became three people changing. Uh, we obviously ended up with Samoa Joe on Raw. We know that he was supposed to be there last week, but he got sick and wasn't able to be on Raw. So that's at least explained, although they didn't tell us that on TV. He's going to um, feud with
0: Strowman, we're guessing.
1: Yes, we're, we're expecting a Strowman feud. Strowman wasn't even on TV this week. But going over to SmackDown, they had Andrade come in, and they didn't really explain why he was introduced on Raw and then back on SmackDown. But nonetheless, they put him in the match with Finn Balor, and they allowed Balor to get over and get his win back. And they had Zelina Vega interfere, helping him toward that end, um, kind of not making the loss hurt Andrade so much. So 50-50 booking there. And then you have Alistair Black, who I was very excited is back on SmackDown, cutting this promo Behind, with a black background behind him, where I was expecting the end to be fade to black, uh, and he just kind of says, "You don't know my character, even though you think you do," and it was kind of strange. Oh, did you that. like? You didn't I see that. I, I must have fast
0: forward coming back from a commercial, right? Through okay, that I well, you missed
1: it. So I'll talk about that after. But did you have any issue with the way, kind of Andrade, the move happened, and the way he was presented, or anything like that? Him losing? No,
0: that match was great. That match was it was fun. great, it was a great TV match, and and I, I love when Vega is involved physically. I think she had so much to that. Um, ultimately, it's sloppy the way this whole shakeup, as we mentioned, was handled. I'm not surprised Fox got what they wanted, by the way, because it's a new dawn. There's a lot of money. There's a lot. of uh, I'm It also, glad it also makes
1: sense. It was really short sighted Vince to do that. Exactly.
0: I mean. It makes it's embarrassing to WWE that all this is happening after the after the fact. But as we know, in wrestling, uh, they can do really, really embarrassing and bad image things. And we'll forget about them or not mention Katie Vick or Saudi Arabia. Every other sentence. Just, you know, we'll we'll keep watching at them. The sponsors are still there, so it doesn't really matter in the end. But I'm intrigued about what you're saying. Is there a reinvention of Black's character coming?
1: I don't know that it's a reinvention, but they let him speak a lot, and there wasn't a lot of gimmick behind him. It was just a Black background, and he the whole promo was basically like, you think you know me, but you really don't. Uh, my character is different than the person that I am, and I don't have the exact wording because I kind of thought you would fill it in. I thought you would have seen it, and you, well, you, have, better memory than, you have a better memory than me. But it it gave me a little bit of concern off the bat that like, what is this exactly? Well, if he's <laughs>
0: gonna be a babyface, which he's been presented since his call it, since his uh, arrival on NXT, I feel like he's got to talk more than look like an evil Luciferian. Let's like, to me, that's a heel. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I'm not saying that you can't be on that side of the fence spiritually and be a good person. I'm saying for re- pro wrestling, uh, we're not we're not that new age to accept that yet as anything but a heel. Does it so? Maybe if they're going to keep him as a face, you would have him talk more. But I feel like his looks amazing. I I like a lot of what his character represents. But something about it feels like it's holding it back from what it could be. And maybe we'll find that out when we find the layers of the personality. We don't know anything about his character's personality at all. All right? We know his finishing move. We seem to know that he loves dark things. But unless you're going to really hammer that home as a heel, if he's going to be a face, he's going to have to talk and have a personality. Faces need, or,
1: need that. Or even if he's going to be a heel, he needs more of a personality. On the main roster, you need more of a personality than on NXT. So I'm okay with them doing it. I'm I'm reserving full judgment. But it made me a little apprehensive. Like, what what exactly are they doing with this? I'm, I'm not quite Ga- sure. Guys like uh, him,
0: though, they're so all in on the tats that represent a, a, a personality of their character that it is hard to come back from that or change your look or do something different.
1: Very true. Um, the Viking experience, BC, became the Viking Raiders, an improvement I think we can both agree on. But- well,
0: what are you going to call them, the Seahawks Rams next week? I mean, it's just so weird. Whiz- <laughs> I get it. And, and somebody turned me on to a uh, com video of that shows, I think, Roe, who's married to Sarah Logan, that the two of them in their real life are part of all these Viking clubs that are basically yes, like they are Renaissance yeah. Fair type stuff, and they reenact all this stuff. And that's great, but... This still sucks, and you know it sucks, and that's Absolutely. what it is. It's a Vince decision. It's all, it's all it is. I want to ask it, you something super oh, – you got anything more on that?
1: Well, I was just going to say it's better, but that doesn't mean it's good. Yeah,
0: yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. A lot of people jumping in this week. Uh, You know Mick Johnston, right? From down under yes. at Mick underscore Absolutely. Johnston. He, You know, he got left out of the rush. I'm sorry, dude. There's only four spots. We love the man. He says, BC, out of all the moves of the last two weeks, I'm surprised by how much I popped to see Jinder turn up on SmackDown. Am I alone here? Or has his heel work through 2017 aged well? Yes, the Silver King was right that they put the title on him too fast, but he over-delivered in that turn. In that run, I'm sorry. He seemed to have just started to really be comfortable in that role when he landed on Raw last year and they did nothing with him. I'm confused, but I think I'm on board. Hashtag don't hinder the gender. I need your thoughts on this, Mick. You know I love you, brother. But you have asked us in this DM question. Are you alone here or has his heel work aged well? You're alone here, brother. I got nothing against gender. I love the guy. He's a Jobert. Or at best, a mid-card heel.
1: He's a Jobert. They made a Joubert champion for no reason. And and to their credit, they did whatever they could to make him seem larger than life. He was fine. He was fine as champion. We bought in on it. It was fine. But he, was, he was not. He should not have been in that spot. But he did a fine job.
0: WWE champion Jinder Mayhall. But uh, Jinder Mayhall, like I knew he would never eclipse that. I, here's the, Here's what I'm trying to say. When that ended, I knew he was going to fall hard. Right, right. There's really no in between, and, that's and they gave him right. the
1: U.S. title for like a day, yeah, or an yeah. hour. I don't even remember what it was. And but then like, Lars Sullivan I, beat up his whole family, and that's where I we're do. At. I do think with with the Singh brothers, I do think if they go back to the Maharaja gimmick, he can be a mid Carter. But the truth is, they have so many mid Carters; they don't need him in that role. They need him to be someone who can eat pins or get the occasional win and start a mini feud that's only on TV or on main event or something like that. What I took away more from the gender segment was they had agenda hall in the ring. And I laughed that it It was another guy who changed brands without them telling us. Um, And then Chad Gable's music hits and Chad Gable's walking to the ring. And I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, Holy crap. Chad Gable looks like a million bucks. He looked like cut and really good. and, And the way the camera zoomed on him, I was like, Oh my God, they're about to put Chad Gable over Ginder and start a mid-card push with Chad Gable. I was in my head. And this is all 30 seconds with this guy walking down the ring. And then Lars Sullivan bull- bulldozes him down, knocks him out. And I'm just like, oh my god, really? Yeah. Yeah. They don't know what they have in Chad Gable. That was embarrassing for them to do that. They're doing this angle with our truth Why? And I gotta well, be honest.
0: I, I don't mind our truth as an opening feud for Lars Sullivan. No, but he's gonna, he's gonna get squashed. But it's, right, it, but he'll it, talk. He just, it'll be fun. It'll be entertaining.
1: But I said this before. Lars Sullivan was even a sniff on the main roster before they ever had even a single vignette for him. I said Lars Sullivan will be will not work on the main roster. And I gotta be honest. It's been a few weeks now. He's DOA in my opinion. I don't care when I see him, and when I do see him, I groan.
0: Well, because they've done nothing, it's the same crap. Yeah. What are they?
1: What what are they going to do with him?
0: You need. I said last week, unless you start him in a feud to make us care, this is lame because he's not Braun Strowman, who does a better job of grabbing your attention, and he also uses gimmicks and knocks buildings over. This is just—it's so cut and copy and paste. I'm going to run in and power slam somebody. So it's just—we've seen it. We're bored of it. Make a feud. Or, make it, or or let he doesn't suck or he can really work as we saw in NXT. So give him, make him the henchman for somebody, the bodyguard. He should be Daniel Bryan's bodyguard in reality, by the way. Okay. By the way, real quick, we don't have the time for this, but real quick. Where's Daniel Bryan going from here?
1: The question is if he wrestles again. What
0: does that? What does that mean?
1: Well, I mean, he hasn't been traveling with them since WrestleMania. He apparently got hurt on that show. They're not saying what it is. I mean, we all hope it's nothing, you know, brain related. But if it is, wow, th- that's it. I mean, you have, you would have to imagine, right? So I'll, I'll say this: know. if he didn't, if he didn't know.
0: come back again that year, plus he gave well, when, when did he come back? He came back before SummerSlam of of eighteen, right?
1: His first match was WrestleMania
0: last year. Oh, that's right, WrestleMania. Not he Summer was back
1: Islam. like two months before so WrestleMania. Something kind of
0: like gave us a year more or less, a little over. That's, that's cemented
1: a, his legacy. That's yeah. a hell. We were, a, we were saying at the same time, cemented his legacy. Hell of a year! Wow, wow! And the, and and arguably the best character work of his career over the last four months, five months. Man, I many. hope
0: that's not true. I hope we see him. I really do. Oh. So do
1: I. I All mean, right. I hope it's certainly not true. Um,
0: All right, I got a bunch but, of a uh, bunch of uh, outside of WWE nuggets. I got to run through. Are we good on Raw and SmackDown here?
1: I think so. Yeah. All right. Well, before I do you, that, you okay with Reigns Elias and Shane? you good with that? Yeah, I am.
0: I am. I am good with okay. that because Elias needs to be in something that matters. He's going up against Roman Reigns. That matters to help out Roman by having Shane in, in it. And you mentioned maybe we end up with a Shane Roman match, which I would not be against. By the way, in in a upcoming pay per view, what is the what do we have? We have Money in the Bank earlier than normal because it's in May. We've got a... and Blood Money in the Sand. We've got Saudi, and then what's the in between between uh, SummerSlam?
1: Arrested I don't know. I'll, two, I'll, I'll, look, I'll look it up while we keep talking. But what I will say in the interim is that what I liked very much is that basically Reigns is, is being given something that does not involve a title, and Elias is being given something that does not require him to sit in the ring and strum on the guitar. Him doing it on the limo was interesting. Him and Shane palling around. Like it gave a little bit more depth to this character that primar- basically does not have depth. It's just a guy who strums his guitar in the ring and always gets beat.
0: By the way, uh, Shane, with a comment about beating up my dad, who would beat somebody's defenseless father was brilliantly delivered. He obviously. did. brilliant because yeah,
1: he did. Brilliant. All right. Uh, all all right. right. So what we have, just so you know, is we have Money in the Bank coming up on May 19th, then a TBA show in Saudi Arabia on June 7th. <clears throat> Excuse me. Apparently an NXT takeover on June 8th uh, on its own without a major pay-per-view. And then backlash on June 23rd. So backlash does still exist. They just pushed it between Money in the Bank and Extreme Rules, which is always in July. All
0: right, pay backlash. That'll be it. Hey, uh, I gotta mention. I got a. I got a uh, announcement to make. By the way, to all of our State of Combat listeners. Um, I actually have a question. Not are you all in? My question is: Listen, State of Combat listeners, do you miss when sports networks used to just cover the news and highlights, like, but without the yelling and fake debates? I know I sure do. I know Adam does. So if so, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to start watching CBS Sports HQ. I know you hear us talking about it. I know you already know what it is. It's a free 24-hour sports network that is built for fans just like you and me. Here's what you're going to find on that, folks. You're going to find a lot of BC. You're also going to find highlights, analysis, instant game reactions, basically everything that matters to you about the game or the fight itself but no diving into politics, social issues, off-the-field topics like on other sports networks. If you like listening to me on this pod, you're going to love me on CBS Sports HQ. This week, for example, HQ head to Nashville for the NFL Draft. For all three days, HQ will be in the Music City with extensive draft coverage and even a few surprises. We'll have our full NFL crew providing analysis, grades, fantasy implications for every pick over all seven rounds live. As they get announced... Thursday night, Friday night, and all day Saturday. It's a who's who, folks, of NFL royalty from your folks at CBSSports.com. We're talking about Pete Briscoe, Danny Cannell, Brady Quinn, Jason Lockenfora, Ryan Wilson, Brian McFadden, J.B. Eisenberg, and so much more. So check out HQ. It's always on. It's always free. You don't need to pay a subscription. There's no $4.99. There's no $9.99. You don't even need an expensive cable package. Just download it today on the CBS Sports app, onto your phone, Fire TV, Roku, or Apple TV to start watching. Hey, tell them BC sent you. I guarantee you're going to love it. Thank you. All right, Adam, let's get outside the, the WWE universe for a minute. Let's let's close this show with some some nuggets that we got to talk about. I know you don't like this man. I know you don't want to talk about this man.
1: And let me be frank.
0: I got that hot sauce. But Enzo and Big Kaz or Kaz XL or uh, they are the free agents. I don't know if you heard, but Ring of Honor has pulled out of the Enzo and Kaz business. uh, Despite that run in that they gave a lot of attention and time to on the G1 Supercard over Mania weekend. And I don't know if you saw this, but Enzo cut a long promo on YouTube in which he was sitting with UFC fighter Mickey Gall, the Trash talking, really welterweight from uh, New Jersey yeah, I who know, beats Mickey. CM Punk, yeah. and then Gall doesn't talk, but Enzo goes off, and there's a lot of f words, and puts himself over, and in the end, he's saying, "Look, Kaz and I are free agents, but we're only going to work together, and we're only no, going to no, work. No, no,
1: they're free agents,
0: and they're only going to work for big money." And uh, he ripped hardcore the Briscoes and Ring of Honor, ripped uh, Bully Ray, and uh, I was kind of entertained. And it yeah, was a... it was pompous, it was a lot, it was too much. But here's the thing, Adam. He's an all time great on the mic, and you don't want to hear that, and our listeners don't want to hear that. And I know he did something potentially really bad, but the charges were dropped and there were no charges, and that's a separate thing. And we can love the art and not the artist, Adam. This man is in his prime. He's great on the microphone. I need him somewhere. Somewhere. He's probably I don't a need cancer. him anywhere.
1: He's great on the mic, but he sucks in the ring. Kaz is OK in the ring, but he's out of shape, which means he's going to suck in the ring. He's and Kaz is fine on the mic. So what are we really talking about here? And I don't know that they have actually split anything with Ring of Honor when you have Tom Tonga cutting a promo today, Wednesday, as we tape this podcast on Enzo and then Enzo replying with one of his own. It all seems like a work shoot to me. I don't care. It doesn't make me want to watch Ring of Honor. It doesn't make me want to care about Enzo or Kaz or any whatever they're calling themselves. This is garbage. It's it's worthless. It's not worth our time. You, you got to stop. You, you got to stop. I, I'm still here, okay? And people he think sucks, it's a character he flaw, it's A character He's ju- flaw. He's good on the
0: mic. He he's sucks He's great otherwise. on the mic. By the way, if Vince He's a shitty person, too. If Vince... We don't know that. Seems like it. Yeah, he does seem like it. I'll give you that. By the way, we talk about risking it all for Liv Morgan. He did. That's a man who did, okay? <laughs> all right? Uh, I'll say this. Uh...
1: I would say she risked risked it off.
0: We don't want, we don't, (laughs) if Vince is still in control and doesn't, uh, you know, give up control in any form, I'm telling you, this man, Enzo, will end up back in WWE and it'll be a big shocker and big surprise. It'll be one of those Vince calls where no one knows about it and Enzo just comes in the back door and they give him a live mic and he's back. And guess what? He's going to hit a home run when that happens. So I just wanted to tell the news oh, that's God. what is out there. Hey, also, I haven't been in on Impact a lot, but there's a listen to our show who I connect with a bunch of times named Glenn Matthews. He's a producer. He has produced this uh short but amazing sort of YouTube documentary. Adam, have you heard of this indie wrestler? I hadn't. Josh Alexander, big PWG guy. I hadn't been versed on him. I only knew the name was not versed on him as a wrestler. But uh, he's kind of got a Canadian Daniel Bryan thing going where he – legitimately had to retire for for a major neck injury and then his health turned around and now he's back and he signed emotionally signed this big deal with impact well there's a a a docu youtube clip you got to check out that glenn matthews produced that it's it's in association with impact it makes me want to start watching impact and start watching josh alexander so check that out people and adam our brother black saber jr who's changed his uh handle by the way it used to be some weird like at tkxxp. it's now at underscore black saber jr he's flying and with this guys i'd love to hear your thoughts on the dark side of the ring series that viceland is doing adam you woke to this this is fantastic
1: so i watched the first two yeah um oh man i don't want to call it fantastic because it all right. Well, it, let's it, go episode by episode, real quick. The first one okay. was
0: okay. was Bruiser Brody, and it was fantastic. And uh, Adam, I legitimately Wait, wanted the first
1: to... one was Bruiser Brody. Yeah. And I what looked... are the what are the other two? Just out of
0: gear. Uh Fred Hart and yeah. Randy Savage.
1: Oh, okay. I thought those were the first two. Okay. okay so go Bruiser ahead. Brody,
0: I'm going to be honest with you. I thought it was 100 out of 100. I thought it was five stars. I thought it was friggin' brilliant at the way they reenacted things, at the interviews they got going back to. Brody's family and his son and opening up that Locker with all the memorabilia in it like All the NJPW jackets in there I mean that Was loved it did, Were you moved by that at
1: all? I did not that's The only one I didn't see that's why I, I thought it was The third one so that's why I was all surprised right.
0: so if you yeah. Only saw the Macho Man Liz Marriage one and the uh, Rightfully kind of derided Montreal Screwjob one because I know Meltzer went off about it that they Left off a ton of actual a ton, truth a Fact ton. and kind of made it seem like it's a work there with Scott Hall. If those are the only two you watched, I could see some misgivings. They were very well produced and presented, though, outside of the lack of facts, it seems, on the Screwjob one. But they have a bunch coming out next. It's uh, this week, I believe, is the Von Ericks. And then there is uh, a Gino Hernandez one and a Moolah one. And I'm told that those of people that have screened them all are the best by far. So fired up for this series. Well, Adam. if the Bruiser
1: Brody is the best to this point and I didn't see it, then... It's tough for me to really give a full judgment, but on the two that I saw, I just it, it seems like they're trying to fit really big stories in really small windows. They're not telling full stories. The re- Scott Hall being on the Bret Hart one, outside of talking about him going to WCW, which was after the Montreal screw job, was kind of worthless. I felt like neither story was told to its completion, and Randy Savage, it just felt like they glossed over so much. Uh I mean, yeah, I learned a little bit about Elizabeth from the interviews, primarily with Linda Boea. Uh, Bo- 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 How do you say his last name? Terry Boeya. Linda Bo- a- Uh It's just weird with the L, I guess. Um, you saying Booyah, Boeya? Where are we <laughs> going with that? No, uh, but I actually learned more from her than I had pre- previously known about Elizabeth because she was her friend, and, yeah. and I guess had experiences with her that maybe the guys don't talk about, right? How she really felt about things. But I just felt both were just. Good. I I, I was happy I watched them, but neither led me to Twitter. And, you know, I'm happy to go on Twitter to praise or crap on anything, uh, but neither led me to go to Twitter and say, oh, my God, you have to watch this.
0: Well, the Bruiser Brody one definitely did. And even though I knew the story of how he died, the way that they dug deep and, you know, the dramatized it, it just really – was gripping. And he's also, by the way, under, uh, he, you know, his life, because he never wrestled in WWE, is very undertold. And that was a guy I grew up watching. it You're right on Savage and Brett, that you didn't really learn anything. A little bit on Savage. It's funny. Did you see that tweet from Hulk Hogan? Ripping the Savage documentary saying you talk to the wrong people. You talk to somebody, meaning his ex-wife who was just pulled out a few pictures out of the scrapbook. And then the producers uh, responded to him. We're like, oh, by the way, we asked you to be in it. And you turned us down. So uh, <laughs> we'd love for you to be in, it, again it, just,
1: in it. It did feel across the board that they didn't necessarily have the best sourcing in terms of the interviews. And that's not to say that they didn't try because I'm sure they reached out to WWE and said, We'd love to talk to Vince about this, or oh, Steph, yeah. they or talk,
0: Shane. They, or... Sean turned him down, you know. Vince yeah, I'm, I'm, sure. So, uh,
1: so I'm sure. So, Sean, I I'm sure. So, because of that, though, the stories are not complete. And I mean, it's also that the, the 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 guys from the Puerto Rican uh,
0: wrestling promote, you know, the, right. Carlos right. Colon, the legend, and, and the guy who they accused of killing Brody. they those guys are still alive. They obviously turned down the request but, to speak for that.
1: But that's the nature of the beast when you try to do a story about an organization, not not an organization, a business that is very close-knit and secretive, you're not going to get the full story by talking to half the people. So True. I don't blame them. I'm not saying their product is bad. I'm not, I'm not criticizing. I'm simply saying I can't come here and sing their praises when, as someone who's watched plenty of things about Randy Savage and Bret Hart and the Montreal Screwjob, many produced by WWE, which sure gives their side of the story, but others as well, and heard interviews, Pritchard interviews and other situations. It's tough for me to kind of say like, I learned things from those. Now, if you're a common fan or a former wrestling fan, or you're just someone who's watches Viceland and you just happen upon this, those are very well done, and they're they're gripping and they get you interested in those stories. So they're they're appealing to audiences beyond the wrestling fan.
0: Yeah, you can watch. But for a
1: wrestling fan watching it, it's
0: like, yeah, I didn't learn that much. Well, just those two. But you can watch it on the Viceland website. I think that's the only place where they are. The Bruiser Brody one is on YouTube in full, though. That was the introduction. No, they're on one. TV.
1: I watched all of them on TV.
0: Oh, okay. I, I haven't. I've only been yeah, watching my the website. Yeah, um, and the Gino Hernandez one's going to be great because he's also uh, such a superstar, but, you know, died young and is underserved because he only wrestled in world class. So can't wait for that. Uh, also, uh, one more DM slide before we get out of here.
1: Um,
0: I've never heard of this guy from, but apparently he says I have from Vince McMahon's at V E N T Z. MCMANZ, Vince McMahon's, whatever. But I, I, look, I'm welcome, welcoming <laughs> this slide, all right? He says, What's up, commentary combatants at SOC? Longtime listener, but if you remember me, I believe I was the first fan to appear on SOC back when it was still ITC when I did a recap meeting he sent in audio for the ECW One Night Stand 2006 pay per view rewind. In parentheses, which needs to be revitalized, by the way, editors know Adam sent me that same note overnight saying it's time to bring back pay-per-view rewind. I think he's right back to Vince. He says, not saying I deserve a spot in the Mount Rushmore or anything since I don't DM as much, but I've been following you guys since the beginning. By the way, I love these guys that I have day one. Yeah, these are my guys. Great. Anyways, I wanted to show you see how you felt about the presentation of the Shield's final chapter, which was the WWE Network house show, in which they said goodbye to Dean Ambrose. He said as he's found the feel of the show to be very refreshing and new. It felt lively, albeit it was a glorified house show. I think there's something to be said about the production value of this show, especially when considering how WWE will be looking to shake things up when moving to Fox. The commentary seemed more organic, almost as if there wasn't anyone in the ear on, on the other end of the... Uh, of the line there with the announcers. Promos were random, but gave people like Finn and the riot squad a chance to loosen up and show more character. I think there's something about the show that needs to be expanded upon. Not saying that it's all there, but these to me look like the beginning of main roster slash non Vince presentations. Let me know what you guys think, Adam. I haven't seen the show because to be honest, house shows on the network are not for me. If they're for you, that's fine. They're not for me, Adam. You watch this. Do you agree with Vince?
1: Yeah, I think he made a lot of really sober points there. Most of it is as simple as this was fine and welcomed as extra content for network subscribers. It's not something you need to seek out because there were no storyline implications. Nothing really happened. Finn had a segment with Elias in the ring where they sang together briefly. Then they had a match. Uh, Finn won. Then the Riot Squad came out. They sang with Elias. Stuff happened there. So there was really not much that went on. The the entire show was built around Dean Ambrose's actual final match in WWE with The Shield. Um, And it was interesting because they had a commentary table set up not next to ringside, at ringside. It was touching the ring. Yes. There was no space. So – You basically just had the ring, a table, and then Michael Cole, Corey Graves, and Renee Young, who was in a Dean Ambrose jacket, which was a nice touch. Um, But he's right on the two main points. The two main points, one he kind of got to, but he didn't really mention. One, there was clearly no one in Michael Cole's ear, or if it was, it just was not Vince McMahon, because Michael Cole was operating at a 10. The best Michael Cole can possibly be, which is basically himself. Not worrying about the big dog and... The King Slayer or the beast slayer or or everything else that he has to say, right? It was real commentary. It was very similar to the way evolution was called. Starcade was presented that was very nice, and the house show look with the lights down on the crowd and the and the lights focused on the ring without Kevin Dunn producing a million camera cuts every time there's a a punch thrown or, or someone flung into the ropes, it just felt natural, it felt more like real wrestling like the wrestling that we're used to watching. It was well presented and you didn't hear it. So it can't be for you, but Dean Ambrose's final promo, which he didn't even want to give, he was kind of forced to do it because, um, I forgot who spoke. I think Rollins spoke and then Reigns refused to, to kind of force Dean to give the final word. He basically just spoke to the crowd about, um, you know, living your dreams and being able to do things that you want. Um, and that he never thought he'd be in a situation like he is with WWE but he got that opportunity. It was very retirement-esque, not leaving the company, going somewhere else. This entire farewell to Dean Ambrose has been very retirement-esque and not him jumping to AEW. Now, maybe he told them that and he goes and jumps to AEW you know, in a couple of weeks or if he has a 90-day non-compete once that runs out. But maybe he doesn't. And it honestly kind of seems more like he's taking a break than that he's quote-unquote leaving WWE. So, he hammered that home in his promo. It was maybe, it was definitely the best promo he's cut since his return, and it's probably one of the best promos he's ever cut. And it also goes to show that ultimately Dean Ambrose was right. He's better on the mic, unscripted, without this BS storyline. Let him be himself. And he showed that he could be the best version of himself possible in that final segment.
0: Love it. Love it. I'm very interested to see where he ends up. Uh, he's not a social media guy, so the next time we see him in a wrestling ring somewhere will probably be the next time that we see him at all, unless he's in the background of a of a Renee Young Instagram shot. All right, uh, to close my ultimate field spot of the week on a week that had many field spots, Adam, holy friggin' crap, NXT, the opening match. Thank you. The Mega Powers are about to explode in my pants right now. Velveteen Dream, North American title, The Buddy, Murphy, you know what I thought the first time I saw these guys walk out in the ring?
1: Ruff, ruff, ruff.
0: I thought sex, Adam. (laughs) This match, a lot of people DM'd me, and they were like five stars. It wasn't five stars, but it was great. It was great television. Thank you, NXT, for giving us this gift. Adam, there was intensity. There were two stars in there. Entering their physical... Dude, Buddy Murphy is such a damn stud. This match had feels. I felt it. Adam, I don't want Buddy to go to high school, Billy. I don't want him to go to SmackDown. I'm not telling you that Vince is going to ruin him. But NXT's about the swagger and the wrestling, and it's not about the catchphrases or the nicknames or the merch.
1: That match was everything I want wrestling to be. It was awesome. I disagree completely with the thought that, Oh, I don't want him to go to the main roster because the truth is he's been on the main roster with two Oh five live and he's main roster ready. He has the look, he has the promo skills and he has the in ring ability. The question is, what are they going to do with him? And I do trust SmackDown to use him better than raw. And even though it's a shorter show and even if his appearances are limited, let's not forget Andrade was on SmackDown last year and was he used great? No, but did they make a joke out of him? No, and if you had Andrade on Raw last year, maybe that's what would have happened. He just would have lost a lot of matches and you would have said, man, what are they doing with Andrade? SmackDown figured out a way to keep him relevant and a quality performer, despite him being on TV only about every third week. So I don't know that we're going to see Buddy Murphy every week. I don't know that we're going to see him immediately in an intercontinental title feud with Finn Balor, but as a lower mid Carter who has the opportunity to like prove it and have Vince see him every week and see what this guy can do, that's where I want him. I don't want him toiling away on NXT, you know, taped, making less money on one potential pay-per-view every four months. No, I want him on SmackDown, the main roster. And that match was great. It put over him, and it primarily put over Velveteen Dream, which God, you know has great. been a long sticking point of me. Give Velveteen Dream wins that matter and allow him to be an actual face of the NXT brand.
0: So here's your homework, people. Go out and watch that match if you haven't. Go out and watch yeah. that Josh Alexander doc on YouTube. Fantastic work. Fantastic work and uh, revisit our collaborations here at the State of Combat. We got good boxing and MMA episodes this week. We will have bonus audio this week as well. Follow us at State of Combat at Silverstein SilversteinAdam at B. Campbell CBS. Try to follow this. You think that, Adam? You really think that? No, I don't. That's disgusting. That's just disgusting.
1: You got anything else to say to these people? Hey, man. I just want to say goodbye.
0: It's coming one. Adam. It's coming. The revolution is here. Yeah.